This episode of the Outsider Podcast is brought to you by our lovely backers over on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash AE Podcast if you want to get access to a whole load of extra content. I'm talking over 60 hours of bonus content by becoming just a $5 backer. You can. There's a new episode, number 38 of the Smackdown Crawl has just dropped now for backers. Get immediate access to the entire series as well as our video episodes. One dropped last month where Adam and I do an in-depth review and playthrough of Smackdown. Here comes the pain alongside other luminaries such as the Photo Slam software, WWF Betrayal, and WrestleMania 19. Get access to all of it, as well as book reports, Q&As, and more by becoming a backer over on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. I want to thank everyone who came out to see us at the London Podcast Festival. And just in case you're up north here in the United Kingdom and you felt a little bit left out like I know you did, October 28th at the Joshua Brooks in Manchester City, there's going to be a very special Attitude Era podcast live show as we present to you Austin McMahon, the greatest rivalry of all time. It's going to be a live show from myself, Adam, and Billy, featuring a full Q&A afterwards, as well as that, a whole evening of entertainment, as we will be having a No Mercy N64 tournament on the night. As well as that, there will be DJs playing wrestling themes, and you better believe Bull Buchanan's is at the top of that list. And as well, for a limited time only, if you get yourself some tickets, you can get yourself a bit of a dinner as well. Dinner at a show, a live, a live show. And if you want to keep the night lit, we will of course be streaming WWE Evolution live at Joshua Brooks afterwards so you can hang out and watch the pay-per-view and we will be there that evening on the 28th of October and as well as that down the road they're playing they live in the afternoon so if you want to have objectively the greatest Sunday of all time come see Kevin, Adam and Billy live in Manchester for our northern debut on the 28th of October at Joshua Brooks to get tickets they're available now from only £7 Check out Skiddle.com and search the Attitude Era podcast. That is Skiddle.com, S-K-I-D-D-L-E.com. Search Attitude Era podcast. But for now, enjoy this. The end is here and the winner takes it all because it's Survivor Series 2001. Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era Podcast, Season 3, Episode 8, The End Is Here! It's Survivor Series 2001 from Greensboro, North Carolina. Hello everyone once again, I'm Cowboy Kevin Mann, and you know what my watch is saying? It's saying that I'm joined by Adam Bibolo. <laughs> hey pal has things good the end is near isn't it it right. is very much nigh some would say even the end is nigh <laughs> <laughs> the end is nigh <laughs> sounds like a bunch of horses are talking about the end of the world here how Brilliant. you doing huh I'm good I'm looking forward to finally you know we're so close to the end of this I'm looking forward to having it all behind us no more Chuck Pullumbo no more Sean O'Hare I love like. you stopped yourself I'm going finally <laughs> but like it does feel like this started off as kind of like a, yeah this is going to be a fun run but it does feel like we're putting a great beast to bed yeah and we are like killing a terrible monster by ending this fucking season yeah. I think no matter what we did after The Rock's return we were going to be like yeah this is fun again this is great <laughs> it's not so much fun anymore I've been watching the Raws and Smackdowns and the build up to this most of them yeah have you been enjoying yourself 
this is the least I've enjoyed it out of the whole run of the invasion so far. Oh like, my goodness. Things are bad at the minute. And to my right, put the head on. It's unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, Billy Keeble. Hey, Billy. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Are you uh, excited to talk about Survivor Series 2001? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> uh, there's parts of me that wonders that during this and you think that we've pulled like a big funny joke on you. Like we've made out, oh, this is yeah, WCW versus ECW and WWF. And it's like, this is random weird fucking show now. Uh, yeah, because well, it was like that for literally one episode of Raw. Then it was just WWF goodies versus WWF baddies. That's yeah. what his, this has just devolved into. Like they they could have just done... A storyline where Shane and Stephanie just got all of the heels. It's pretty much said, yeah. Let's same go, thing. Let's do, it's yeah. exactly the same thing. Like we've got two or three people from the invasion who've been brought in. It was still here. Mm-hmm. So worth talking about. Is it easy to say that before we get into this that you maybe are not entirely clear about how this story is going because they didn't do much explaining here tonight at Survivor Series. No, this is very much like hinging on you You should have watched the Raws and Smackdowns, which I haven't done. <laughs> so I, I I have no clue what is going on, in particular in regards to Kurt Angle, because they do not mention at all. <laughs> no, they don't. You, you get about five seconds of him hitting The Undertaker with a chair and he says, he is bad now. That's it. Oh, That's it. That's all you get tonight if you've not watched the, the TV show. You just get JR on commentary going, you should have done your homework, Billy. You should <laughs> know this by now. God damn it, Billy. The network's only nine, nine, and nine. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could give it more credit than that, but I'll be honest, I've watched so much of this glorious era and various guises for this podcast and I don't think I've ever had such a bad taste in my mouth for something that I adored as a kid. There is a lot of really confusing stuff to explain, but if you've come here expecting like resolution or come here expecting logic as to why the things that have happened have happened, well then you can turn this podcast right <laughs> off. It's Survivor Series 2001. Vince McMahon Sr. certainly is a legend as far as our sport is concerned. You came to me in a dream last night. Welcome to WrestleMania! You were standing in a Serious threat World Wrestling Federation has ever known. If we don't pull it together, I will see all of you in hell. In hell. In hell. There is no next year. There is no tomorrow. Shane and I just couldn't wait for you to die. That opener though. That was good. Yeah, that's good. Really good. 
Oh no! It, it just sounds like that song. Like it's like a, like a nice bluebird came and visited me one day. He came to me <laughs> on my windowsill. He helped me and the woodland critters clean my house. What did you think of all this using the the, the rich imagery of years gone past? Uh, I enjoyed it, but I, I do think, like, to give this more of a big fight feel, they should have shown off some WCW and ECW stuff. Absolutely. Like, just shown some clips of, like, they are actually, like, a legitimate force. Yeah, Which they're they different are. to They've us. not been presented as such, but they are. And if this is the final time you're going to fucking do this now, at least make it look like the WWF are going to not just wipe the floor with them. The only thing I'll say is that, like, if you think about the WCW moments they could have shown... What could they have used? Hogan v Sting can't have that. Um, like, yeah, but we can't have Hulk Hogan versus Macho Man Randy Savage. I mean, I'm that's sorry. That's also true. Yeah, this is one of the biggest cases of false advertising for a casual ever. Because if you're going to come in and watch this as a casual fan, and you're being told, "All right, you didn't like that WCW invasion, but it's like four or five months later, and it's the final showdown." You turn it on, and it's like they show you. Vince Senior, Gorilla Monsoon, and then they show you Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior. They literally show you the stars of WCW. Mm. All they need to show is like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Ric Flair as well. Like it very much, I thought was like trying to put over WWF's legacy at the expense of anything else. Yeah, nothing else. Like it was just WWF's legacy. Billy's right. There wasn't even like really mention of WCW and ECW having a past. Like, I mean, I think if you intersplice footage of like Gorilla Monsoon and you know Freddie Blassie and Pat Patterson with like some real violent shit from ECW mm. or like some real kind of proper WCW old school WCW yeah. like, when it was wrestling WCW but just like. showing that they are different at least fucking pretend yep. but I guess if you look at the lineup for tonight there is like honestly I don't think there's anyone from WCW it feels like in any of these matches Booker T he's the only one yeah. DDP is, makes an appearance. DDP I'm not counting people in a fucking nameless battle royale, yeah. if you don't mind. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, it's pretty fucking shocking. And, of course, the alliance has now been padded out even more so with Kurt Angle turning heel, which Adam and I talked about a bit in depth when we were doing our Love Your Review of Rebellion from the UK, local, uh, local times in Manchester. But, Billy, I was wondering if you could tell me, judging from what was presented here tonight... Why Kurt Angle turned bad guy? Because he did. <laughs> That's literally all we're given. We're not. We're not given a reason why. It's just he's presumably seeing that he thinks that WCW are going to win this, so he's jumped ship. Is the only thing that I could I could sense from this. I get a good idea of what has actually happened by the end of this show. Yeah. I get a pretty good idea, but it's not. It was not presented to me at all. At the start of this Invasion series, in terms of what they had, of how they could make the crowd go, wow, or really kind of do a bit of a spectacle, you could have the run-ins with loads and loads of people, new people debuting, you know, oh, the other company winning belts, or, you know, who's actually in charge of this company. There's a lot of intrigue and things they could do. But by the time now we're at a point where they've de-pushed pretty much everyone who was a star from outside of the company, with maybe the exception of Booker and Rob Van Dam, mm, but even them, yeah. they're way down. I mean, Rob Van Dam ain't challenging for no world championship anytime soon. 
So it feels like the only thing they have left in this final month, which is set up when Vince comes out and he says, I'm sick of this alliance <laughs> crap. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, us too. <laughs> so he says it's going to be a final five on five. We're going to take all. They imply that Shane and Stephanie haven't got the resources to keep this fight up. So it's like everyone put their cards on the table. But all they have left now to shock you is to say, this person's jumping over to the Alliance. Yep. Or this person's jumping over to WWF. And you have Kurt Angle betraying and joining the WWF. And then literally the next week, Vince McMahon coming out with a big smile saying, Stone Cold Steve Austin is coming home to the WWF. And the crowd don't even cheer. That is one of the worst episodes of SmackDown in the whole invasion, i got to say. Because they do this whole thing where like Angle has just betrayed McMahon and it's like fractured the WWF. It's cut them to their soul. And then McMahon comes out with like a smile on his face and he's like, ah, oh, but Stone Cold's going to join Team WWF. And everyone's like, oh, are you going to join Steve? And Steve's like, no, he's obviously making that up to get us to fight. <laughs> and literally everyone in the world is like, yeah, he's obviously making this up to get him to fight. And you've got Michael Cole there being like, I don't know, Paul. It sounds to me like Stone Cold's going to join Team <laughs> WWF again for like three weeks. <laughs> and it's like, so sick because like, as soon as Vince says that, Austin literally comes out and he's like, I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he stuns him and kills him. Yeah. And then they're like, what were you doing though, Steve, when you stunned Vince? That was very... Why did you do that? Is it because I'm not joining the WWE? Fucking idiots. And that's like the main build for Austin for this fucking yeah. pay-per-view. And you've got The Rock and Y2J who are meant to be the kind of strange bedfellows after the last pay-per-view. Rock has won back the WCW Championship from Jericho. Jericho very much being this petulant child who's like kind of, how come no one takes me seriously now that I've won the big one? And that honestly is the best thing on this whole program is the feud and the teasing between Rock and Y2J. But even at that point... No one really cares about the Alliance anymore. That is far from anyone's thought. And this seems to be, this whole show, a means to an end. The sole highlight for me, though, the best thing about this, it's our last time we get these guys together, but we are greeted by Jim Ross and Paul Heyman on commentary, who saved up all their best moments from improv class to yeah. fucking have at it tonight. They are non-stop. <laughs> For the two and a half hours of this yeah. show, they are at each other's throats the entire time, and it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's uh, literally the opening line. is like, what? I'm good old JR. Joined tonight for the last time <laughs> by Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman's like, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the last ever broadcast of the World Wrestling Federation. On behalf of myself, it's been miserable working with you. <laughs> and it goes downhill from there I mean there were points where I was like mm, I think this is dragging on a bit much and they're getting a bit too much at each other's throats but then I was kind of thankful for they were the only people who were keeping this gimmick going yep. yeah the sort of WWF pride versus Alliance pride because that's not what it's about for the wrestlers anymore they don't give a fuck about sides at this point it's JR and Heyman that are keeping that alive and it's like you say it's their last chance to do this so they may as well go out guns blazing like in our last draw in our last Smackdown leading up to this you kind of got to see the different parts of the creative process and who is trying to make this thing work still do you remember what Paul Heyman did or have you guys seen what Paul Heyman did on the last Smackdown before this show no I don't think I have it's the best promo ever pretty one. much it's, for my money it's my favourite shoot interview of all time because Heyman has been put over as this like nasty mean you know, manipulative character but the best heels in wrestling are those who think that they are like justified justified and Heyman literally comes out and he goes look whatever happens on Sunday this is the last chance I'm ever going to get to say it to this fucker's face so Vince get your ass out here right now and Vince comes out and Vince just stands silently and Heyman 
tears him to fucking shreds. He goes right for the jugular. He's like, when your father died, you broke his word and you competed against all the promoters in the NWA. And straight away Vince is like, oh now give me a microphone and he's like no you know what I'm saying is the truth please let me do my promo Vince let me it's really good please it's going to be something and he's like long before you had attitude Steve Austin was drinking beer in ECW or long before you know all the stuff you said was innovative we were doing it and all you did was take our ideas it's a point where you go all you did was steal my money my legacy and you put my family out of business and you know Heyman like his mum and dad had to take on yeah. bankruptcy. He got personal bankruptcy. He came out of a squeaky clean in the end, but there was a lot of real life yeah, in there. So real. And he says, there's some of the things he says is like, you took Hulk Hogan's blood and built Titan Towers. You stole Bret Hart's dream and bought yourself a jet. You took Shawn Michaels' smile and made yourself a billionaire. And it's like, and no one will ever tell you this. Have you watched your TV show recently, Vince? It's fucking shit. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. And Nick Foley does a promo on Raw. It's like, have you watched this shit yeah. recently? Yeah. yeah. And like, as a kid, I don't know what to think about that. Mm. I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on characters in kayfabe saying, this show is really boring? Yeah. Paul Heyman should say it, definitely, because yeah. he's the fucking mouthpiece of the Alliance. It's it's fair for him to say the show is crap. Mick Foley, the commissioner of WWF, like, coming out and saying all the titles are worthless and the show isn't worth a damn, like... And, and he's at it again tonight here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, angry Abel, Mick later we'll, on. We'll get to that later on. Yeah. He's doing it again here. And now he's been putting on some of those alleged real-life emotions to muster up the unenthusiasm <laughs> to be here tonight. Adam, you might as well, you were someone who was astonished how great this is, and we wouldn't be able to talk about Survivor Series without talking about the famous go-home segment on the Raw before Survivor Series because this is what brought us to the dance. This is why WCW and ECW are facing off against Team WWF. How did we go home on the flagship show? Tell me and Billy all about it. Well, The Rock had a little, what, 40-second match with William Regal where he wasn't even in his ring gear. He was just dressed like The Rock and he buries Regal and then he's like, Stone Cold, you get your ass out here. And Jim Ross was like, not sure why The Rock's not wearing his, his ring attire could be that he came here to fat not wrestle we're all wearing clothes here today so we're straight up ready to throw down <laughs> i ain't here to wrestle you boys <laughs> so stone cold comes out and the rock starts off his promo and he's like first of all finally the rock hat and stone cold takes the mic out of his hand and he's like what i think you mean to say is finally stone cold has cut and the rock takes it back out of his hand he's like oh no 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 what the rock's trying to say is finally the rock has come ah rocky what you're trying to say and this just goes on back and forth <laughs> my eyes like he's showing <laughs> people's ears then their eyes yeah then we get about three minutes of what chance with the crowd which is i think the first time austin did the whole thing where he's like you're scared what? and the crowd goes why and he doesn't say why and he just kind of does a little the little bounce the yeah. response like yeah. he's playing up to it so this goes on for quite some time really long time and Stone Cold <laughs> well what's great is that Stone Cold keeps trying to like get close to The Rock and sort of talk to him on his level and he puts his hand on The Rock's shoulder and Rock immediately brushes it off and he's like ah don't you touch me don't you ever touch me Rock <laughs> for, for him taking his hand <laughs> off and then The Rock goes like I have to tell you this from the bottom of my heart 
your breath smells so <laughs> yeah. bad. And Austin's like, you're just a little, little sulky face that he does. And he has a great line as well. He's like, I ain't got a beer belly. He keeps saying, I got a beer belly. I ain't a beer belly. <laughs> Top heel Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's a fuel tank for an ass whipping machine, son. <laughs> so self-conscious. Ah, oh, that ain't plumber's crack. <laughs> He's, he's talking to The Rock and like The Rock looks away from him he's like don't you ever look away from me Rock like really trying to get onto his level he's like it hurts my feelings when you say you don't like me Rock and Jim Ryan's like you can order now Sunday <laughs> <laughs> this is the main event yeah, segment the man's feelings like, have been hurt folks This and they've taken like 10 minutes of the promo to get just to this point and Stone Cold's like I want to try and break the ice break the tension a little bit maybe cheer you up old Stone Cold's gonna sing you a song and the crowd like does a little pop like and he sings Delta Dawn doing like proper mm. stone cold Delta Dawn it's coming home it's coming home it's coming what football's coming home what everywhere you go oh, fuck off stop it let's ever sing some I just want to hear Austin do Vindaluna right? <laughs> meat pass Justin Drogue come on come on World Cup is long dead lads let it go it might still come home <laughs> it might just be a little late yeah, well. I said it on cinema throw football's coming home in the back of your ambulance <laughs> Fun fact, Sam, didn't Sam cut that joke out because England literally got knocked out. Like. Every podcast I'm doing, I'm like, yeah, football's going, I'm not working on it. Could I get the chat going at the, at the pool party? I don't know why. Like, anyway. So Stone Cold sings Delta Dawn to The Rock and The Rock's like, what the fuck's going and on? The Rock's really pissed off now. And the crowd's like, oh yeah, that's, that's good. Ow. So The Rock, in response to Stone Cold's, goes... You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them. <laughs> and like he sings back to Stone yeah. Cold. You never shoe machente when you're <laughs> still at the table. <laughs> so sick of Ashoo machente. There'll be plenty of time for Scorpions when the Scorpion King's done. <laughs> so the rock sings. You gotta know when to hold. And Stone Cold is doing like the proper like, you motherfucker. Kind of like, like, <laughs> you know I love that song, Rock. And then Stone oh. Cold, incensed by what The Rock says, you got anybody who's anybody knows who Jimmy Buffett is. And then they sing Wasted Away in Margaritaville together as a duet. Wasted Away again in Margaritaville. What? <laughs> with clever new lyrics. Some people think there's a Rocky to blame. Hey! But I know it's Stone Cold's fault. And they have a hug and they're like, they're holding their hands together. Like, they have a beer, don't they? They have a beer and it's like, just like old times, pal. And The Rock goes, oh yeah, but The Rock will never, ever forget. And he gives him a rock bottom. And JR's like, Survivor Series on Sunday, folks, if oh, you're interested. Kinds of singing. I mean, if you'd rather not, I'll just tell you about it next week. I can catch you up, like. Or it might be a different show next week because we could we, we could be gone. Uh, yeah. Did, did they get the scripts for Raw mixed up? Because that's how you resolve this. Yeah, the after. week after. Yeah. Well, what I say is that's how you end the show when the cameras have gone off the air. Like, have your serious promo. See you at Survivor Series, and then you do your fucking catchphrase wars and you sing along. Yeah, to the that's live what crowd. happens like, afterwards. Yeah. Like this is like Vince brought in the tape, and it's like, right, Vince, you ran twenty minutes under here. You either can put all of that cruiserweight match in slow mo, or you can give us the sing song for afterwards, where half the people are leaving, or you know, Austin's a beer with Lillian Garcia or whatever. Some shit like. 
It was really, really strange. But I mean, everyone loves that segment. It is iconic. Like to the point that I remember in school, if you knew how a kid was a wrestling fan, was that if we shook hands and then they were walking away and they held on, and, by the way, The Rock will never forget. And then just put you into The Rock Bottom. You give each other a tap on the shoulder. All right, see you later, buddy. Like that was, it was like the secret handshake of yeah. wrestling fans. But I remember thinking, like, the more I thought about this segment after watching all of this and recovering all of this, I got really angry about it. Because it's like, it's literally every... Yes! Yes, very... Of, oh, yeah, the Rock and Austin, they're very entertaining, aren't they? But it's not about that. No. It's very... Oh, very good. Yes, very good. You're meant to write a fucking essay about your summer vacation, not about the cool anime idea you have. Oh, yes, very good. Very good. It's not what was asked of you. <laughs> it's like, imagine if, like, just before the season finale of Breaking Bad, they had, like, that silly episode where Walt is chasing a fly all episode, and it's like, you're building up to the big climax here, and it's like, hey, comedy. Oh, like, walking dead syndrome, like. Is that what they do? Literally like, every time is the, they'll, they'll have, like... This crazy thing ha- has happened. It's a, it's a cliffhanger. Then I'll have three episodes where we're following secondary characters. You're yeah. wasted away again, America. Before we, <laughs> before we go back to the fucking thing you've been waiting for. Yeah. So that's Walking Dead every season. Next like. season at AMC's Margaritaville. <laughs> I will say, though, the version on the network Oh yeah, even worse. It was like. so awkward because I'm um, doing, on How to Wrestling, we were, we were revisiting old episodes for Patreon, so I like, wanted to show Joe some more Austin stuff. And I yeah. showed Joe some of the highlights we've done for our season three here. So I was showing her like Kurt versus Austin. The, the segments, you know, King of the World, the medals, yeah. the match at SummerSlam. And then I'm like, well, look, I'm I'm against this at the moment, but this is considered to be one of the all-time great segments. I popped it on the network and I was so embarrassed and shocked at how bad this is, this yeah. cut. And it's not, you didn't even get to the bit where like people are like, oh, but that's the iconic bit where they sing. On the network, it literally goes, Austin's like, you know, Rock, it hurts my feelings. Cut to the crowd for a second and then cut back, Rock Bottom! Like, <laughs> they literally cut out the entire sing-along they didn't even include The Rock saying he'll never forget. It's just literally hard cut rock bottom. See you at Survivor Series, everybody. Like, rubbish. So does that make this make a bit more sense now? Not really, but I'm just good to go. I will say, up until last week, I was in the camp of like, oh, that's one of the all-time Rock and Austin classic segments, watching it back. But it's, just reviewing it in context. It's dog it shit. It's a fucking dark segment. And they put it on on the go-home show for what is meant to be the most catastrophic event in sports entertainment. Well, look, okay. The battle lines have been drawn, folks. And tonight is the night. Who will survive? ECW and WCW or the WWF? Well, let's find out when Christian takes on Al Snow from Breakdown 98. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is this? Christian versus Al Snow for the European Championship. By the way, Al's not been on TV nope. at all. Nope. Also, Al Snow, who legitimately has been in ECW and came from there, he's the WWF guy and Christian's the Alliance guy. Yep. And they even have Heyman like, start to say, oh, you know, Christian, he's been in the WWF for this many years. Al Snow's been in the WWF for a similar number of years. And he doesn't even kind of go, Al Snow, he used to work in ECW. Not a mention of no. it. Don't want to make it any worse. Like, oh my god! How is this the opener of the fucking show? Well, like, it's, you didn't watch the heat beforehand, where this hot match got booked. Like Christian's got a little bit of a new wrinkle to his gimmick, folks. He doesn't want to be called Christian. He wishes to be referred as Christian. 
Uh, with the uh, <laughs> if you don't do the upward bit, he's not having so any. So it's English. like instead of I A N, it's like Y A N. Yes, yeah, Christian. Christian. So is it like the Fandango gimmick where he's just like telling people to correctly pronounce it? Like I think instead that he doesn't go on about. It, he's like, no, no, no. I'm. To be, he's like Christian tonight. No, no, no. I'm to be referred to as Christian. And they go, okay, Christian. And he's just like, <laughs> you're just smiling at like thinking about his name and how much he loves it. Like, So Christian riles up the crowd here. Greetings to all my fans in South Carolina. <laughs> Talk about a hot crowd though tonight. No, but the fair play, considering what they were actually presented with, yeah. the, this crowd were on it all night. And this is a WCW hotbed, South Carolina. Or South Kaki Laki, as it's also known. I've been watching Anthony Bourdain, so I know about that. Great uh, great food in, in this state, apparently. And great fans of wrestling who are mad into everyone they see tonight. And honestly, they give a lot of pops when I didn't think there would be pops. Didn't think Al Snow would get an Al Snow chant no. or a big massive yeah. way. They're almost too generous, like... Tough Enough is obviously very over with this crowd. Al comes out to that shitty Tough Enough theme, like... What?! You not hear that? What? Not that. No, what? It was like a, a variant of that because he's wearing his Tough Enough Two top, isn't he? Ah, like, whatever yes. the theme tune is for season two, I think. Then I see won't pay the rats fees for this song again. <laughs> <laughs> this deal with Uncle Cracker just use it anyway. Like you know, he'll never find out. So I don't remember there being Tough Enough One and Two so close together. Like what happened was Maven has debuted on the roster. And yeah. he got immediately choked out by Taz. And then they did a thing where he managed to just about beat Taz with a fluke. And then, you know, they used Taz to get Maven over a little bit. You know, using him being the, the, the mean trainer and whatnot. Didn't really kind of resolve the fact that the trainer was for the alliance. Yeah. But yeah, Al Snow is just out here rocking this because they've started the fan submissions for season two. Okay, so it's going to be a while yet until it's in production then. Yeah, season two is one I've not actually seen. I would be interested yeah. in checking that out at some point. We want head chance for Al Snow. Good lord. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I mean, this is, it's very competent, um, old school, I would say, to an extent. It's kind of, the high spots are, you know, Christian shooting Al off the ropes and Al doing the big slam. It's very much doing it the way he wants it to be done, <laughs> you know? Did you think, like, Al feels validated with the head chance, considering everything that happened with the parents' television cancelled? Oh, yeah. yeah. Told to get it. Getting head chance in 2001, he must be so fucking chuffed Well, he's not been, like, on the... You know, he's not been a big part of the main roster in pretty much all of 2000... Because think about, you know, January 2001 in Rumble, he kind of you know, appeared there a bit. Mm. And he wasn't really involved in the hardcore division after that because that was when Kane and Big Show mm. and Raven and all that. Yeah. He's not really been arranged during the invasion. He was there during a few kind of team meetings. Mm. But he's been focused on Tough Enough, but he's he, still over. I can't write in that graveyard analogy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he's got special tombstone powers here. He's kicking ass and taking names. JR starts calling all of Christian's main manoeuvres the unprettier, which is a, a theme for most of Christian's career after he goes single. Poor fucker. Al is basically wrestling a match that if, like, Daryl's in the front row, then he will know the way it needs to be done. Like, you know, him and Christian kind of might as well be like, you see, we just built up to the shoulder tackle. That's all I need to do, big man. See, he cleaned these before we came in to wrestle. Do you reckon that he had this type of match so he could show the contestants are tough enough too. He's like, this is how you do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. This is how you open a fucking pay-per-view, my friend. We didn't even have a story. It was working against the actual logic of the show. <laughs> and we still did it the way we wanted it done. 
<laughs> Al likes to clown. You know, Where's my dog? I want my dog. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Al hits the snowplow, big beautiful snowplow. Christian gets the ropes and then manages with a distraction to hit the unprettier. Christian wins a very basic but like unoffensive match. It was a, it was a, it was a good match. Good good yeah. opener. Yeah, good openers. Yeah, that's what you want really from an opener. In terms of in ring, it was a good opener. But I just think, why are you opening the show with a match that literally no people have got any investment no. in? Like, there's no story. There's no nothing to this match. The belt malaise is fucking palpable yeah. here. Yeah. Too like, many belts. Mick Foley came out and he cut a promo. The one you said you mentioned where he kind of buried a lot of the TV and stuff. And one of the things he said is like, if you've not got a belt at the moment, there's something incredibly wrong with your career. <laughs> He's like, like giving him away. Like he literally was like, "We're living in a world where Test is now a double champion." Because Test was IC and tag champion at one point. Yeah. And like, what the fuck even is the European belt? Is it less important than the US belt? More important than it? Well, it's hard to tell because even on the SmackDown, like three days before this pay per view, there's two title changes. Like they're constantly swapping them around all the time. Like. And again, that's how they tell their story. They like after No Mercy, they told the story. Like as soon as Shane threw down the challenge the Alliance had a bad night and they lost four of their championships mm-hmm. but like that was literally not to get anyone over just so they could have a segment then where Shane is like oh we lost all of our championships you guys suck again if they had a thing where it's like by the end of Survivor Series by the end of tonight whichever side has the most titles is the winner or something make the titles matter in some way like you know so at least oh WWF's got more titles which means they get to pick a stipulation for this Sunday or whatever I don't know like some way of making them feel like bargaining chips that aren't just belts getting tossed around like. here's, here's the favourite one Christian won the European Championship from Bradshaw on Smackdown except the match was cut for time so Christian just appeared on Raw with yeah, the belt it was televised match it wasn't it was like they made it like it was a dark match no they tanked it for Smackdown and just cut us you can't even blame Triple H this time like he's not there <laughs> doing his promos <laughs> like promo, what's like. so important like <laughs> So yeah, I, I was gonna have to start keep track like I did during Invasion of who won the most matches, but it's they're literally saying it doesn't matter. It Although doesn't. if you are a champion, you get to keep your job. That much has been established. Yes, yeah. you'll at least be with the new company. WWF champion Deborah arrives. <laughs> Team Alliance have found themselves in disarray. Stephanie comes up and is like, "Why have you returned her Stone Cold Steve?" And he's like, "I don't want to. I hate y'all." And then Jesus goes, well, you should have. So is Austin joining Team WWE? No! Of course he's not! Because I've only watched the, the pay-per-view, I wasn't, didn't watch any of the Raws and Smackdowns. The fact that they were going on about it so much, and Austin just going, no, made me think he was. Yeah? So just by going off the pay-per-view point of view, I was pretty sure that Austin would be turning face. That's the one time where not watching Raw and SmackDown actually helped yeah. you get into this angle, yeah. then, I guess. Like, like part of me, there was like part of me as a kid when I remember hearing this and being like, yeah, like I want that because everyone wants face Austin You want back. it, yeah, but it's definitely not going to happen. But I think the real judge of that is when Vince was like, Stone Cold's coming back and the crowd were like, mm-hmm. is he? Like, even if he did turn, I don't think they would have bought it. So, mm. it's they've done irreparable damage, I think, to this character. Vince and Linda, the power couple, arrive. They had a real display that they were back together. Billy uh, on Raw, Vince came out and he's like, As far as my marriage is concerned, dig this. Oh, <laughs> Jesus 
fucking Christ. How many of those do you think she had to do to become a small business administrator? Like, <laughs> oh, God. You got a couple of more of those left in you? Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, the poor woman, like... Vince, I don't really think I... Come on, Linda, be cool. Oh, God. <laughs> what Kevin's miming is like a mommy bird like, <laughs> laughing into a baby bird's mouth. At the same time, kind of like running the tongue around the lips to make sure every bit of it is out. Like, oh. you know, go on, every bit of it. They uh, had a segment with Linda to get over Shane and Stephanie. Does anyone know what they did? They didn't make a big deal about it here tonight. They did mention it once or twice briefly. Did they beat her up? They did. And like literally, Linda was brought back solely on the one night they brought back some inches like, dig this. Like, <laughs> but the kids are calling a lit kiss. Like, he gives her a, a big L. He gives her the shift he does. He gives her a big L shift. So he does. And then later on, like literally, Linda's just like kind of chilling out backstage, and then Steph and Shane come in, and they're like, "Oh, you think you're so you're so tough? You think you're all that?" And then Shane puts his fucking mother in like you know in a restrained hole. It's like, "Get her, Steph. Get her." And she's like, mm, "Yeah, wham!" And she fucking smacks the shit out of her. Now on SmackDown Crawl on Patreon, we not that long ago, Adam and I had to review the first time Steph slapped Linda. Mm. Yeah, and when she does it, it's like. Uh, and then she's yeah. like going, oh no what have I done this time it's like come here BAM <laughs> did you guys get that is the lighting okay because I, I think my hand's okay I can hit her a few more times if you want like come on mom be a professional be a performer get up proper tur- you can see her turning into Vince like yes. oh my god so obvious and Shane is like yeah go on get her and Steph is like yeah <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> let me it's so fucking horrible and it means nothing yeah Mm. oh my god Linda's concerned with Vince about what's gonna happen and Vince is like Linda there's an old saying that the kids are using these days what's up that's not it dude where's my car hey pal where's my car now, why is it the, the, the saying shit that happens. shit happens? You know, it's like a big season finale of wrestling when Vince is getting all excited and breaking out the swear words. Oh, you like, do one per season. They're allowed to have one. <laughs> it's like when he said the N word that time on Raw or whatever. That was just a throwaway. Like, that was an end of season. Like. <laughs> that was just his dark heart. Like, uh, Michael Cole comes up and he's like, Vince, Mr. McMahon, I'm scared. What's going to happen? Will I have a job? And he's like, I built an empire. Scary. Like, he's manic at this point he built a career on risk not the type of coin flip risk calculated risk and you know that Vince is with it like he's just you know he says he has six members and they have four like he's he's won like he's already said like seriously if you take this promo at any way sort of face value much like a wrestling 17 where he's like oh someone's gonna turn heel (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna hate this (laughs) Regal then appears. Ooh, bad boy William Regal. And he's like, I just wanted you to know. Like, he chews him out, like. He's delighted. He's there with like a massive grin, like, oh, I can't bloody wait to see you two on your ass. Like, oh. He's having the best time of his life. Regal, in his credit, has churned in some of the best performances of his career so far. Like, absolutely brilliant. But before we get on to our next match, I do want to point out what he said. And this is something I mentioned way back at the start, which made my skin crawl, which is like, and we will see you, of course, tomorrow on Alliance Raw. Alliance Raw. Alliance Raw. 
Welcome everyone to Alliance Rob. You want to watch uh, Alliance Velocity or Alliance Heat? Mm. Call it Nitro. Call it hard on Saturday night. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> he calls him like a toe rag as well. Yeah. William Regal Because he's not going to fall for Vince's mind games and that Austin is as loyal to the Alliance as Regal is to the Queen. Like. <laughs> He's really fucking loyal, like. They had a great line with him where uh, he came to join JR and Heyman on commentary, and Heyman is like, Please excuse my broadcast colleague, he's from Oklahoma, and Regal just sits down and gives him this filthy look and goes, We all have our crosses to bear, I guess. <laughs> I love Regal so much. Alright, let me tell you that the best fucking Regal statement ever, right? Because you know we were pissed off last ep that Regal and Tajiri, their story, didn't get any sort of a look in, yeah. even though they were like like fucking the Chuckle brothers. You you can't mm-hmm. have one without the other. If one of them's going into court, the other one should be there as well. <laughs> Cause let's face it, they did it together. <laughs> We saw all of the muddy footprints going into the house which you were meant to be cleaning, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Chuckle and your assailant brother. And yes, yeah, I know you brought the ladder in carefully, yet still the windows were all broken. Oh, <laughs> So yeah, uh, William Regal and Tajiri, they did try and wrap up their story a little bit. And they had a bit where Regal advised Tajiri into his office. And they had been, to their credit, putting over that Regal, as bad as he was was like Foley in the sense that he did want something better than the product that was currently. Because like all these Alliance versus WWF unification matches have been set up with Foley and Regal together. Like They think this is a good idea. They don't want belts devalued yeah. and X-Pac being a champion. <laughs> By the way, X-Pac got written off in that McFoley speech. He literally said, X-Pac's the Cruiserweight champion. No one knows where he is and quite frankly, no one cares. So we won't worry about that. Oh. So he's just gone then. Pretty much. What about the belt? Gone as well. It's, it's, sorry, I'll be found in a bin again soon. Oh. Like. Maybe if Midian loses enough weight, he can find it in a <laughs> bin and defend it. Like, but yeah, the bit where Regal brings in Tajiri and with Tori Wilson to his office, he's like, "Tajiri, I brought you into this uh, organization. You've worked with me, and I know you've been asked before, but you know." He's like saying, essentially, it's going to be Alliance Raw next week. Like, so you're going to want to join. And he's like, "I'm asking you, one friend to another, if you would consider." accepting the invitation and joining the alliance and Tajiri just starts shaking his head and he's like no I won't do it he's like well fine I, I respect your decision and he grabs Tajiri by the ear and slams his head on the desk and you know the Regal does the left fist yeah. and he just pounds him he punches him over and over in the Jesus. face like literally killing Tajiri like oh my god and he's in like his, his waistcoat and the mm. sleeves all rolled up he's pounding the shit out of him and like he looks up at Tori and he goes and as for you Miss Wilson and like he's gonna get her and as he's doing it Tajiri lying prone on the table kicks Regal in the face from his lying back position and grabs Tori and they run away and Regal's like (laughs) I will get you I'm so excited for this yeah you know it's bad when as a kid this was my least favourite match and it was the one I was most looking forward to it's William Regal versus Ty Jiri William Regal's nose huh Oh, I was going to say, before we get to his nose, William Regal's actions. We start off with like a little recap of what he did to Tori yeah. last week. Yeah. Pouring the Regal stretch for what looked like half an hour or something. <laughs> and as for you, Miss Wilson, like, he was to fucking kill her. It's, it's scary. Really scary. 
isn't it weird that there's no like middle ground for them it seems to be either like woman gets shoved or woman gets fucking like power bombed and yeah. like put in a submission hold and broken like it's very t- I don't think Regal needed to do that quite frankly no he's bad enough as it is alright I'm gonna lay it out here right now you all have your, your your best cane but this for me is my best Regal black with the uh, mauve piping on the mm. corner there I love this look a lot the midi trumpets Someone did get the Soldiers at War reference. <laughs> yeah! In a franchise as big as Soldiers at War, someone's bound to get it, Kevin. Yeah, it's great. Like, you know, uh, maybe we'll get the HD remaster for all the modern consoles. You know? Soldiers just don't have to be having a Call of Duty. They can be at war, too. You know? <laughs> don't leave money on the table, guys. Regal and Tajiri start off with some fucking, you know, great styles class, these two. You know, Tajiri's going for the kicks. Regal, like, blocks him, you know, like he's a boxer. Mm-hmm. Pretty much immediately starts bleeding from his nose. Yeah. Is that like a thing? Or like, I know, Billy, you've got nosebleeds before. Is this like a thing with you, English? All right. Um, I think it's a thing in English with English people. If we get, <laughs> I, I, I think if you know, if we if we get punched in the nose, we bleed. You know, I don't think that's the saying goes. As the saying goes, you know, you I'm punch, human too. You punch, punch an un- you punch in English, they bleed. Like unlike us, though, if you punch one of us, we would just bleed the blood of a patriot, though, wouldn't yeah. we? Like you know, unlike the, the blood of an Englishman, like yeah. you know. Well, that's very interesting because he does bleed as I say almost immediately and it's bleeding in the sense that it comes from his nose and then out his mouth and like out his fucking ears and it's coming out his arse as well I don't know every orifice there's blood coming out it works so perfectly for the kind of heel that Regal is though because yeah. one minute he's like getting kicked by Tajiri going like oh bloody hell like he's proper like oh and the next thing you know he looks up and there's like blood in his teeth and all down his face that's and he's vicious like <laughs> snarling like oh he's scary looking so this is kind of scary Regal now yeah. we start yeah. off with bumbling kind of mm. creepy Regal, who could still be vicious, but was still very much like, you know, like in the way that Mr. Bean could randomly be vicious and be like, oh, well, yeah. Uh, Buddy! <laughs> of course he could. You never saw what he did to Teddy, mate. Is that episode where he killed that boy? All right, I'm just saying, as someone's been in a car crash and what he does to that fucking blue car, <laughs> like fucking road rage, like, I'm going on my adventure, he, he, <laughs> run him off the road. He didn't buy that chicken ready plucked, mate. Yeah. Like, he did that then and there, it's just the camera started rolling. And there's no one as well, when he goes on the day with his, 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 his lady friend and they yeah. go to a, the club and he like starts like crumping up against this man be like get out of here she's mine like you know <laughs> taking his dick out and all that shit like you know? it's like a gorilla really like we watched a, a video essay on YouTube well it's not even a video essay it's an old like Rowan Atkinson made VHS where it's him sort of showing you the different principles of physical comedy like yeah and he's very kind of tells you the rules of comedy like he's like you know I've got a banana here it's very big and it's obviously very funny because if anything's big it's it's funny and he's like there's nothing funnier than taking your knob out in the scene it's the funniest <laughs> fucking thing but it's it hilarious <laughs> and that's why all the classic bean would end with that like you know? <laughs> not the cartoon though it was just cowards like and that <laughs> But I was going to ask you, which you prefer is kind of bumbling Regal with a bit of comedy or this proper vicious, vile villain, evil with... This is like proper like the baddie from Tarzan, like Claymore, that <laughs> fucking evil Englishman. Like. I mean, I do like evil Regal, but I do like bumbly Regal. My favourite Regal is still when he had to swap gimmicks with Goldust. Yeah. On that episode of Raw is still my favourite Regal's just a pure pissed off face of having to come out dressed as Goldust. He says that's his favourite thing he's ever done in wrestling not like surprised anything like matches segments career highlight is that because he said he got to do his comedy 
properly, 100%. When you hear him talk about comedy on Cole Cabana's podcast and everything, like I, I agree with you, Billy. Comedy Regal's my favourite yeah. too, because I think he just... Not only does he get it and he's good at it, but he appreciates comedy and wrestling so much. You can see the love for it. Like. Yeah. But no more so than you know Stone Cold or um, you know Kurt Angle. The ability to do the comedy and then to scare you within weeks of each other. It yeah. seems. That's true. But with Regal, his comedy... Like, you, you must have seen the clip where he like... <laughs> Someone's knocked over like a hot dog stand and he's slipping in mustard yes, for about seen. 45 seconds and he's just covered. He's like, oh my, oh no. And he just keeps going. And in his head, it's just. Oi. It's what I deserve. Oh man, awesome grappling and striking by these two here. It's way too short. There's a really brilliant hangman spot where Tajiri gets thrown up. Kind of like how Foley lost his ear. Yeah. And then he grabs on, he pulls his body back and starts whamming at him. Like he's going to pull his head off, it looks like. Massive Regal sucks chance. Again, the crowd well into this. Big Tiger Bomb. William Regal picks up the win seemingly out of nowhere after like what felt like three minutes. Mm. Barely got going. Can I just say... Regal's Tiger Bomb looks shit. Yeah. yeah. It looks so weak and it looks like he fucks it up every time he does it. He does it like four times to try and get it over. Like the, like the week before this he did it to Tajiri to, to and Tatori a whole bunch to mm. get it over. It, I, I didn't think it was any... Other than him going... Yeah. Which is a great grunt. <laughs> but I prefer the old Regal cutter. Yeah. You know, yes. when he's grabbed the arm and slams him down, a little sneaky move like that. It always looks like he's got them He's got them to the highest point of the Tiger Bomb, then he's like forgotten what he's doing. And then he's just like, oh, I'll just put you down again. <laughs> like, And it just looks really sloppy. I really don't like it. Yeah, the one he does to Tori, where Tori kind of ends up turning kind of midair. Yeah. And she lands like she's taken like out of a side slam. Mm. It's fucking hideous. But yeah, we hear Soldiers of War like a hundred times. Like so much that I'm not looking for the HD remaster. Because he comes back over and over and over. And yeah, getting Regal over as this horrible, nasty heel. And he does get his comeuppance in a big way like the next night but I kind of feel that this is a point where Tajiri after this alliance and invasion storyline never reaches the level that he was before nowhere near not even close this is very much them taking Tajiri off the kind of upper mid card and being like lower mid cards mm. or kind of opening contests because he never gets near his kind of you know he's not a US belt ever again he's yeah. not getting loads of backstage segments he's just kind of a guy who's used and I hate that because Tajiri's fucking awesome better than that I will say, I figured at the end there, that business of Regal keep coming back, I thought that was Tori had blown the spot or something, like, because Regal beats up Tajiri and wins, and then he walks off while his music's playing, and you can see him really slowly walking away, and then he sort of, like, stops and he's like, I think I'll go back and do it again, and he goes back and he kills Tajiri again. Then when he's leaving that time, that's when Tori runs out to check ah, on Tajiri, and he's I like, see. oh, there she is, now I'll go and do it on her as well. Like, it well long in the tooth this was. I did like, though, that Heyman has the line of commentary, which is quite, like, foreboding in a way he didn't realise, where he turns to JR and he goes, he's going to be employed tomorrow night, Jim Ross. That's the difference. You won't be, but William Regal will be employed tomorrow night. And it's like, well, yeah, he will. Oh. It's going to cost you, though, pal. <laughs> Coming up next, the battle lines have been drawn. WCW versus... Uh, the joke will never get... Oh, it's fucking Test versus Edge. Yep. You get your blondest Canadian, I'll get my blondest Canadian... We'll just see if they merge into one, like... The only thing I had of intrigue in this match was wondering if it'd be proper, like, Time Cop. Like, because... <laughs> if they touched, I'll fuse yeah. and explode. <laughs> yeah, and, like, John Cobb and Dan would be like, the same matter can't be at the same space at the same time. 
Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of that was the guy goes back in time. And he's like, lay off the cat. He, he finds himself. He's like, oh yeah, and lay off the candy bars, asshole. It's like it's yourself, man. You <laughs> love yourself, you know. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but uh, Stone Cold Hunk coming up here. You know, I'm always on Hunk Watch on How to Wrestling, trying to find some objectively beautiful man. And Test is, uh, whoa, talk about a cold hard slab of hot beef, huh? Am I right? Yeah. She wants me. <laughs> so he's talking about Janet. When you rub the oil in my body, you're not rubbing it right. What's that all about? When you rub the oil in my body, oh. you gotta rub it all the way. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he wants the lights to catch his body glimmering pro- properly. And then Stacy comes in and says, like, "Hair test. You wanna go out with me and the Dudley boys?" He's like, "Yeah, Stacy." And maybe later you and I could have sex. <laughs> and they did. Uh, they actually did go out in real life. Heard, yeah. He doesn't say let's have sex. He says that later on he wants to partake. I think he's going to say partake. And <laughs> 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 Matt Hardy would come in. Say things. Perhaps we could partake of the night together. <laughs> I mean, all right. I mean, they clearly like it's obvious that someone saw that fucking Stacy and Test clearly had the horn for each other, and they're like, "Oh, let's put these guys together." But it's such a cringe segment. It's so fucking lame. Test as the ladies' man, good. Yeah, man. She wants the dusted his nipples. It's yeah. so rubbish. And they do this so many times with Stacy, where they try to get someone over as being hot by having Stacy like bite her finger. Uh, people who Stacy have bit her finger at, Randy Orton, Triple H, <laughs> which is the funniest thing ever. Like Vince and Stacy were an item later on in the year, and then like Triple H is like standing there the whole time when Vince is looking. Stacy's like, "Oh my god, Triple H is such a hunk." No, he's not. When you say biting a finger, do you mean like biting the knuckle, like? Like that, kind or of like the, the, the finger sexy, nail, like... sexy kind of a sexy bite <laughs> okay. of the tip of the finger. Like, <laughs> I literally, when... was imagining Stacy looking at Triple H, like, Ham! <laughs> chomping away. <laughs> <looking at> Triple <laughs> H. Oh, God. <laughs> See, in my mind, all I had is, do you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Juliet, like. <laughs> well, Triple H is a saucy boy. I know that much. Like <laughs> Stacy being using here to get people over his hot. Stacy Keebler in her career, not that we're judging, has dated David Flair. Test. And George Clooney, which we can all agree she earned and deserved. She's clearly got a type. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's like moving on up right <laughs> yeah. there. Like, you know, just fucking doing well, you know. You know, his tests nipples when he was getting oiled. I could agree. They, they were glimmering, weren't they? They <laughs> catch the. She did a good job of getting the oil in the nips. He's got the big Jinder Mahal like inflated nipples, oh. like, where he's probably got to calm down on the roids a little bit lately. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah burgers. Like, like. He's, he's pretty big. Like, yeah, it's really weird. Like, Tess seems to be the guy now. They're kind of like, if we can get one person over at the end of this, it's him for I'm some like, reason. Test and Ed seem to be the two people who are getting paid for a bit of a push here. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense for them to be paired up, but if you think when we're back at the start, there are a lot of more interesting people who had pushes going for them, like uh, Rhino or Albert, mm-hmm. you know. And Where yeah, the Albert. fuck is Rhino? Rhino has been suspended, in inverted commas. He actually, and I never knew this, he, just, he got suspended during, they did like a whole segment where 
you know, after the episode, the Alliance had their bad night and they did like everyone got brought out to the ring except instead of Austin, it was Shane and Stephanie. And he's like, Billy Kidman, who beat your ass Thursday? You know, he got right in his face and like Shane beat up Billy Kidman. And then he had like the Alliance beat up the Dudley boys. And then like Stephanie's like, Rhino, you're suspended. And Rhino's like, what? And then they go, Chuck Palumbo, what? (laughs) I have the actual quote that Stephanie said to Chuck Palumbo. What have you done with your opportunity, Chuck Palumbo? Nothing. You are nothing. You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) And then Chuck Palumbo's like, I'll show you. I'll marry Billy Gunn. (laughs) Last laugh. He'll have the last word there. But yeah, Rhino got suspended. But what actually happened with Rhino at neck fusion surgery. Oh, damn. He's not back until WrestleMania 19, over a year and a half. Damn. Damn. So that's really sad because Rhino... Had he a... was going to be... That's why we might have put Kurt over there. I don't know if that's why, but I would have said if Rhino was here, he could have easily been on Team Alliance in the main event. Because they fucked everything yeah. up because from Team WF had to put fucking Big Show in oh. for no reason because they run out of top stars. So they put fucking Show there. It's probably if they got all your top stars and put them onto the WCW team. Yeah, <laughs> legit. Kind of... So yeah, Rhino really unfortunately missing out here. So uh, kind of all the people who have been you know earmarked to get pushed... And even being said, Edge, King of the Ring 2001, I think he's way cooled off since then. Oh, yeah, totally. Christian's gone over, but I don't know if Edge has gone over the same way. He's feuding with Tess. If Edge had really, like, if his, his push had, like, gone through the way it should have throughout the whole invasion arc, he would be on Team WWF in the main event as well. Like, if Edge had really gotten the push that we thought he would, he'd be in the main event. Yeah. Like, but he's not. Tess now versus Egg for the unified IC and United States Championship. This is very confusing. Mm. <laughs> Tess is a double champion. I believe he was Intercontinental and WWF Tank Champion. Yep. I really struggle to remember who was what champion at what time because they switched them loads. I don't tell you. Yeah, and yeah, sometimes they're non-televised. Tess did the gimmick of using the foot on the ropes. What a nasty man. Which, despite the fact of having the longest reach in the legs department of anyone on the fucking roster, he still manages to not hit the ropes more often than not, like when he's doing it. So, yeah, test taking on egg here. WCW versus WWF. Um, Sure it is. Sure it is. I I have a real problem here. Mm. Real problem. So, test comes out. There's no mention of him being Alliance. And he comes out and is labelled a WWF champion. Edge is referred to as a WCW champion, despite being Team WWF. This is why this storyline doesn't work. You need a clear separation of these titles. Mm -hmm. Who are we supposed to cheer for? The face WCW champion, who represents the evil in WCW, or the heel, who is defending a WWF belt, honouring the the good the good WWF. Mm. Who is this for? And you're deleting one of these belts. Yeah. You're either getting the he- the heel the heel's gonna win, and you're gonna keep the WWF belt, which people will care about because of the lineage, or the or the face is gonna win, and you're gonna keep one of WCW's what? shitty belts. The implication I took is that they're gonna merge the two titles, and they're not gonna promise which one they're gonna keep. They're gonna wait until they know who's in charge. No, they, so they said whoever wins, the other belt will be deleted. Really? They say that belt will be gone. That, <laughs> the legacy of that belt. 
the, of the loser's belt but will be will burn the records as well. No, but like, it'll be done. That belt will be dead. What if you did a thing that was simply put, like if Test had did the, the, the WCW title, right, and Edge had the Intercontinental belt, and you could have a bit where Vince is like, look, all the hey, everyone who's held that belt, who's come through the ranks, he could name some famous. Pa- Patterson's there. Patterson's in the back. there. Yeah, He's there in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Jesus Christ, I'm sure someone could think of a few WCW champions. I mean, Ric Flair. Ric Flair has signed his contract at this point in time. He is. Oh, really? Yeah, he is there, like, waiting to basically debut. You could have done anything. But, yeah, if they had to find a way to kind of put those lineages over, because later on, when you've got, you know, WCW tag champions in the Dudley Boys, they do talk about the the legacy of those belts Mm. and the individuals who held those belts. They don't do that here, and it makes even less sense the fact that Edge literally just won this belt two weeks beforehand to get it off Kurt, and Test won this belt off, this very belt he has off Edge a few weeks before, just randomly as well, just because. And the story, this isn't WCW versus WWF, its story is, Test has been dumped by every chick on the planet, man. Oh! All the chicks be dumping Test! Take that, big man. Rub oil on that. (laughs) So you got dumped by Steph. All the chicks. And... I don't know. I, I wrote down here. I am genuinely unenthused to be doing this shot. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Test and Kane had an awesome match the last pay per view. Mm-hmm. Edge is great. Test can be great. I give zero fucks about this match. Heyman says that Rob Zombie should be his friend because he'll play the CD on Alliance Raw all the time. <sighs> Stop calling it Alliance Raw. He also promises he'll get JR backstage passes when Alliance Raw is in Oklahoma in two weeks' time. That's nice of him, to be fair. It sounds too much like a lion's roar. <laughs> I don't like it. It sounds too much oh. like that. <laughs> Who are the most lion-esque wrestlers? Like Chris Hero, he could be on lion, uh, a lion's roar. Uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre Big Show is very yes. lion-esque. Yeah. Lionheart Chris Jericho. Yeah, that's good. That's a lion's good. tail, a lion's roar. Like. Yeah. Teddy Biasi. Proper looks like a lion. They ha- Nickelback did the theme from Raw for a while, didn't they? Chad Kroger's pretty lion-esque. We yeah. got the burned in, burn out. Three hours to go. <laughs> Step throwing stones. A nickelback. You know what I'm back. Don't bring <laughs> The storyline as it stands, and literally the fact that this is a WCW versus WWF or Alliance versus WWF, like that actually ruins what is probably a competent and decent match. Is this in ring wise? Pretty good, this. Yeah. Like, two young guys who are showing a lot of new, innovative offense for them. They've come a long way. Like, you know, this type of thing in 1989, Test and Edge could have faced off in probably one of the most awkward matches ever. Mm. And this is a pretty, pretty good pace. Like, it's very confident. Like, it's it's a fine match. But on this show, and this with this announcing and this story, it makes it really difficult to fucking soldier through. The announcing in this match especially. Like, there's a bit where... Fucking hell, Test puts Edge in a chin lock, I believe. And a long chin lock. But they do the sleeper pin, drop the arm thing from a chin lock. Like, a chin lock's meant to make you go to sleep? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, when you're sleeping, you just put a rubber buttercup under your chin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And JR and Paul just talk all the way through that spot. They don't even notice the fact that the match could be ending right now. Like. The really cool spot where like, Tess is going for a superplex and then it gets reversed into, like, you know, it's going to go for a power bomb, but then it gets into, like, a catch drop kick spot instead. Mm. Really, really cool. And then, like, I mean, I'm not sure who they're trying to get over here, but Tess is on the top rope. 
when he dives off and he gets hit with a dropkick and Jim Ross just screams, It's very difficult, folks, for a man like Tess to generate effective offense from that top rope. His finisher's the fucking diving elbow. Yeah, he's done it for years, mate. Unbelievable. He's on Matt Hardy. He's on ground-based stress, so you don't have to come up with excuses <laughs> for him, all right? Pump handle gets reversed and Tess spears egg. It's a good spear as yeah, well. Not I like bad. That. Hey, maybe you and every other big man for the next million years should do this. Edge then spears test. We get a kick out. Full Nelson slam into a quick roll up. Egg picks up the win. I'm making it seem a lot more succinct than it was. There was probably around eight or nine minutes of faff. But it was grand, but... It was decent. Yay, Edge is a fucking double champion. Great. Like, that's weird. He's like, he's king of the ring and he's won all these fucking belts and it feels like he's no further than he was when he was king of the yeah, ring. Like, yeah. these belts officially mean nothing. And now he's got to go in the back and apologise to Pat Patterson for fucking ruining the legacy of the Intercontinental belt because <laughs> the US, the WCW US belt is more important. <laughs> Fuck that shit. You know, like, Patterson, all these, like, supposed Rio de Janeiro delegates, do you know how long we've been keeping this fucking lie going? You <laughs> <laughs> had to keep asking questions, Ed. Get me the, get the van, like, you know. <laughs> Best thing about this match for me, I don't know why I've only just realised this, Tess's real name, Andrew Martin, it's like the idea of people calling Test Andy in real life. It makes him a lot less threatening knowing he's called Andy. Like. Big Andy! <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Test would be doing fucking tickets and concessions and selling popcorn in Fort Lauderdale. Like Backstage, Stephanie McMahon is with Kurt Angle and she is stressed out. Where if the Alliance loses, I'll become normal. I'll have to go do the shopping like a fucking freak. <laughs> I, I did enjoy this. It's great. Like. I, I did enjoy this a lot. Normal. I'll have to clean the bathroom. <laughs> oh, it'll be a Sunday. It'll be grand. Come on now. Kurt says we can all trust Stone Cold Steve Austin. Sure, we can. Coming up next cage match time to unify these four fucking belts it's great when the referee had them he's like I have the the power of a thousand sons I am wrestling's past present all will despair (laughs) you will not have a superstar but a referee (laughs) one is beautiful That's the very foundation. <laughs> Jimmy Galadriel. Like. It's the Tudley boys taking on the Hardy boys. Backstage, Jeff and Lita are concerned about creepy Matthew Hardy, a.k.a. Matt Hardy. Namaste. You've been enjoying creepy Matt's antics on Raw? Yeah, he's been a bit of a bad boy again, hasn't he? Bad boy, Matt Hardy. He's a stinker. Getting caught with his hand in the cookie jar again. Like. <laughs> Quite literally, like, stealing cookies from Stacey. Like. So, yeah, I mean, if Stacey Heaver is a cookie jar, Matt Hardy has been caught with his hand inside. Oh, like. right! <laughs> Nothing happened like that. All right, well, okay, it is good. We don't know what happens behind closed doors. <laughs> well, this is like, the creepiest that Matt has got. Alright, there's no like non-creepy way to describe that there was a part where Matt came out when Stacy was wrestling Lita and the story is that like Stacy can't wrestle, she like she'd been beaten in like ten seconds.
seconds, pretty much. And then Matt comes out and is like, yeah, guys, let's cheer on Amy Dumas, a.k.a. Lita, in her professional wrestling contest, a.k.a. sports entertainment. I am entertained, and it will be huh, quite sporting. Uh, so he comes in, and uh, he's, like, you know, clapping away, and he sees Stacy, and he goes to, like... Punch Stacy? The fuck? Like he literally grabs Stacy at the back of the head and he cocks his fist back like, I'm gonna kill you, Stacy. <laughs> like he's Why? proper gonna do it. But Matt, you know the way it is. You pull in your you just wanna punch this woman and then you accidentally elbow your girlfriend in the <laughs> face. For and hell. for the rest of this and that's why Lita's got this massive black eye. Because yeah. Matt goes to punch Stacy and accidentally elbows Lee in the face. And then afterwards, when, when Lita still wins, he's like, oh my God, guys, Amy is such an pro- amazing performer. Can you believe how good she is? And she's like, Matt, please, just leave me alone. Like, Oh, God. And then, like, <laughs> it was the points where he was meant to have a mixed tag team match, him and Lita versus, like, Lance Storm and Ivory. And she's like, Matt, you know, I'm really excited about the match. And you can tell she's, like, put loads of makeup on to try and hide the black eyes. She's like... I'm, I'm excited for a big night, man. He's like, yeah, I'm so excited about my big night as well. I cannot believe the opportunity that I have. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, oh my God. Uh, forgive vacations and apologies <laughs> of the highest regard and order. I actually have an intercontinental championship match with Test, a.k.a. Andrew Martin, and it's on now. Bye. And he just runs off. And she's like, oh, okay then. And then like they have like Jim Ross going, well, two young competitors, Two separate careers, opportunities come up all the time in the WWF, but you gotta think Matt Hardy's looking out for himself here, guys. <laughs> and then he comes back later on after he's lost. He's like, No, it's totally fine. I'm, even though I lost the match, aka I was not victorious, uh, you know, physically I may have lost the match, but spiritually I will, I will always defeat Tess. Uh, I'm happy to go and, and wrestle the time. Like, and he does that total thing where it's like, No, it's fine, I'll go. I can I'll, do it. I'll go wrestle the tag match. Oh, you want me to? Oh, now, is it? No, it's fine. I'll go do it. You want me to do it now? You want me. It's your fault that I'm doing this, but I will do it if you want me to. He's so fucking aggressive yeah. and gross. And if you're like Matt Hardy, even the slightest in your relationship, you need to, to, to sort that out. Shame on you. Do not punch Stacey Keebler. Do not elbow Leah. Do not make other plans and then blame them for doing the plans originally agreed to. So yeah, he's been an absolute creep. And then Lita and Matt, Lita and Jeff are chatting backstage, kind of going, "Yeah, Matt's been a a real piece of work recently." He's like, "Hey guys, what are you all talking about? You talking about me? Am I weird? Am I creepy?" <laughs> no, like in the middle of the house party. No, guys, come on, let's all let's all have it out. Come on, I'm taking my fedora off. Come on, I'll put it down here. I'm gonna rest it for a second. Everyone, stop drinking my homebrew, okay? And let's take a second. Yeah, I know. I have my guitar. Out. I was gonna do some karaoke and play you guys off my new EP. But we're gonna talk about why you all think I'm a weirdo right now. <laughs> and they're like, well, now's not the time. Like, is no, it? we're having a cage match. Well, we're never going to get to talk about it with the build-up to their awful split, but he does go at one point, like the Hardy Boys, Lita, you and I are breaking up. <laughs> that is the way to break. I've broke up with a girl in the past saying that exact sentence, actually. <laughs> Just like the Hardy Boys, we're breaking up. And they're like, I don't even watch wrestling. Who? What? <laughs> the detective kids from those books? <laughs> I thought they were dead. <laughs> oh, and then the yeah, Trish Stratus come out of the locker room as well. Yeah. To make like Lita readjust, readjusting her clothes. And mm. I don't know. That's literally like 
d- destroying the character of Trish Stratus to prop up the creepiness of that. Man, yeah. he's trying to hit all these women. He's already a fucking freak. You yeah. don't need to do this as well. But just making it seem like that that's all that Trish Trish does yep. is that she goes after men in relationships. And particularly after doing the whole thing with Vince where it's yeah. like, I'm turning over a new leaf and I'm my own woman. Come here, man in relationship. Like. Yeah. Wait, hang on. You're not getting Matt's last line of the promo there. What well, Matt does like his big Bradshaw sort of like WrestleMania showcase the mortals. He's like it's Survivor Series, everything's at stake, and he goes, "Come on, Jeff, let's go survive. <laughs> let's go survive." And Jeff like, suddenly feels sick. Like, oh, I feel a bit queasy now. I don't even know why. So four fucking belts on the line, and people are tanking in and out of a cage match. Hot take from me is that you can never have a tag team cage match. This is the second one we've had in this season. It is full of logic, even with excellent teams who know the psychology of all the different companies, like the Dudleys would. But there's no way to make this work. Can it work, Billy? Uh, I think it can if you take away pin and submission. Yep. Mm. If you make it just escape, it can work just fine. But they keep going back to you can pin as well. Don't think it works with pin. But like, not even the announcers can kind of... I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit here, but when you do the escape, like, what's the logical with having escape for tag matches? You're ditching your partner. You're leaving them in a handicap situation, like... Because if you go back in, does that mean count as you've... I think as far as I know, it's illegal to go back in. But they have done things before where, like, someone has escaped and they try to go back in. The refs are holding back going, no, you're out of the match. Like, yeah. it's the rules now. It's pretty dumb, like... The rules are stupid for tag team cage matches, especially when it's not even tornado tag and they have to actually tag in, like... And you've got a man stood inside the cage, like, waiting his turn. Did we get any tag cage matches during... I mean, I think Edge and Christian and the the Hardys had one on Raw during season one we talked about briefly. The New Age Outlaws had one. Oh, yeah, with Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. That was more of an angle, I guess. We've definitely done a Hardy Boys cage match because I remember one of the Hardys leaving the ca- and ditching his brother in the cage mm. and it being stupid. Like It's just like the one story they can tell with this and like the best story, you know it's bad, but the best story is Canyon abandoning DDP because he's a coward. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's the benchmark that we have. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see these two teams go at it and... The Dudley boys, I think, are the only people who have any credibility in this fucking alliance now anymore. It's pretty shocking, though, that even the Dudley boys are kind of loosely, at best, affiliated with ECW. They're, they're, their own act, they're their own act now. Yeah, I know. And with Stacey, they're so far removed from what the Dudleys were at ECW. Tags in a cage? What is that all about? Yeah, just make it Tornado Tag. Just have it. It was a big free-for-all. So the Dudley boys work over Matt Hardy in the corner. Jeff Hardy, fucking state of him hat on him for most if not all of this match disgusting a bit of respect like legit you're indoors for fuck's sake there are like careening drunks in my parish at home who will take their hats off when they go into church you take your hat off when you go into the wrestling ring mate it's only right <laughs> fucking cage as well he's double indoors like here speaking of hats have I told you about Stone Cold Steve Austin insisting Kurt Angle always wears his hat <laughs> is this the same Stone Cold hat that your teacher had the like... exact same one okay as in the one that says Stone Cold Steve Austin on it 100% badass <laughs> so yeah it was written in an accent wasn't it <laughs> it yeah. was Stone <laughs> <laughs> so yeah alright I mean there's lots to talk about with the Kurt Angle heel turn uh, let's focus on the hat while we're in hat town at the moment here <laughs> but Austin made Kurt wear the hat and he's like I got a present for you Kurt it's, it's a new Stone Cold hat and Kurt's like wow 
I'm a badass. <laughs> and then, like, he wears it, and then, like, they have some disagreements, and Austin, every time he sees him, he's like, where's that, Kurt? And he won't even talk to Kurt until Kurt puts the hat on. He's like, put the hat on. And then when he puts it on, he's like, okay, Kurt, I gotta talk to you about this thing. <laughs> and, like, it's really bad because Kurt is balding bad at the moment. Yeah. And when he takes the hat off, it's, like, real, with the hat hair, you're like, oh, shit, that man ain't got nothing up top anymore. It's nah. like, hair versus hair is gonna happen really, really soon. Here is an actual legitimate quote from Stone Cold Steve Austin, like literally a week or two beforehand, <laughs> to Kurt Angle, the Olympic gold medalist, about his hat. Where's the hat? Why did you take it off? Put it on, Kurt. I've been doing you favors. Wear it. <laughs> I've been doing you favors. What favors have you been doing him? <laughs> Giving him a hat, mate. <laughs> yeah, randomly sometimes in the street you like really right at night you'll hear random people sh- shouting drunken nonsense. Like, yeah. Put that hat on! I've been doing you favours! Where is what? <laughs> Fucking hell, just got reminded me. When I was down in Somerset on holiday, there was a fight outside the chippy at about nine at nine at night. Right. And <laughs> these got drunk guys fight arguing. And then just heard this guy from Somerset just going, Yeah, you walk away. Oh look at me. I drive a train. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! He started singing about driving a train and how he was better than the other guy because he drove a train. <laughs> was it like the fat controller or something? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, you're gonna stay there forever and ever and always, you sort of a bitch. Oh man, Heyman starts chatting about Big Daddy Dudley, who was the equivalent, in his own words, of a male tramp. <laughs> okay. Hot tag to Jeff. He gets poetry emotion. They all go to climb at the same time and Bubba Ray Dudley catches Jeff and it's a Bubba bomb like mid-cage. There's a lot of cool moments where Jeff is like, whoop, I'm on, gonna keep going, keep the momentum. And Bubba like grabs one foot and is like, slams him back down. Really, really fucking cool. Did you catch how JR describes Jeff's cage antics? He's like a North Carolina orangutan. I would have said like Spider-Man. Yeah, that's better. What you do, 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 doing up there? Fuck. <laughs> Staying away from you. <laughs> do it. <laughs> what about Uncle Ben? <laughs> um, hey man, I missed the part where that was my problem. <laughs> We're remaking Spider-Man one. <laughs> We're just doing it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Matt plays everyone in this version. Yes, yes he does. Get the Dudley device, which Heyman just screams, What a rush! They nice. do mention a few random like NWA tag teams, like the Funks and the Briscoes. They do mention some WWF tag teams. They do not mention a lot of very interesting names. But a year ago, they were the greatest tag team of all time. New Age Outlaws do not get a mention. No. They are mentioning very carefully old names who you know are not going to come back mm. so even now when most of those contracts are coming up and they have to be thinking about the Steiners and Hall and Nash and all that maybe surely they'd start mentioning those names yeah like, yeah. Flair's fucking backstage almost yeah. Yeah. legit like if yeah. he's actually signed his deal already why aren't you talking about him he's a little something something Duddy Boy smashed a shite out of them some more Matt gets caught upside down on the cage. His head bounces off the top mm. rope. It's it kind of like, wow, cool spot, man. And then like, he falls and goes boing on the middle of his head. I was like, wow, you nearly died, man. <laughs> Stacy, 
Get the table! Marked out so hard for that. So funny. So great. I kind of want when Stacy gets the table, then she sits at it and says, none of you can sit with us. <laughs> 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 On every day, we wear camouflage. <laughs> Stacy Keebler seduces Nick Patrick, which is probably the most unnecessary seduction ever. Legit. Like, Bubba Ray Dudley could have seduced Nick Patrick. He's so pro-alliance, <laughs> like, you know? Devon could have been like who's the man and he's like oh Devon woo (laughs) he got me hot under the collar open that door up for you so slides in the table the 3D gets avoided Matt fights off Bubba Ray Dudley and escapes he thinks Jeff is doing the same thing at the same time and this really is a great story though in terms of Matt being like oh I'm the smart big brother I know what to do even though it's like you did the shitty thing you left him alone you weren't doing that out of self-interest and it's kind of like only with hindsight you can kind of go oh you should have escaped at the same time I did like he couldn't mm-hmm. so Matt gets to play the kind of the oh I'm safe and smart and Jeff of course is now in a two on one environment and it's really awesome where he's like just trying to evade these Dudleys he manages to get to the top and they don't show the camera angles it was only later on when they did this as an angle but Matt is there screaming and pleading like please Jeff don't do it don't do the big dive he's like please and Jeff just like fuck it he goes through the swanton smashes through the table Dudley boys just drape an arm and they win the belts Stacy comes in with four belts <laughs> barely lift her arms up like snapped her elbows like and yeah Sorry, there's a random line with Jim Roscoe. Let me tell you, folks, that steel cage, it don't taste like chocolate. I've tried. I would, <laughs> you you want to know what I want for my birthday this year? Book me in a chocolate steel cage. Oh, yes. If I, if I grab you and start grating your yeah. face into mm. it, like, mm. <laughs> I'm Cowboy Kevin, and I'm in a rage. I'm 31, and I want a chocolate cage. <laughs> So the Hardy Boys look like a couple of fucking idiots then, don't they? Well, particularly Jeff. Especially Jeff. Individually, collectively, in different ways, they look stupid. Yeah. Proper dumb fucks. Yeah. And the Dudley Boys do kind of feel when Heyman is like, that's it, I don't care what anyone says, ECW, WCW, WWF, they have won titles from every organisation, they're the greatest champions of all time, they're the greatest tag team of all time, I will hear nothing else, and JR can't really rebut. Yeah, no, he's a fair play, yeah. And then, like, they're kind of trying to get serious about Jeff being taken out. And, like, even Haven is like, you never want to see a competitor get hurt. And Jim Ross is like, no, you're not allowed to be sympathetic. That's my <laughs> job. Like, how dare you show sympathy? So, yeah. What do you think of this one? Because I really enjoyed it in hindsight, despite the fucking crazy, weird, caged tag team rules. It was one of my fave matches here tonight, I think, talking through it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'd probably agree with you. Yeah. Well, it's certainly one of the better matches on the card. Good match. I don't like that. I, this is definitely, if I'm remembering right, this is definitely the second time the Harleys have done this whole stupid one of you left the cage too soon and left the other one by themselves. And it just made them look so stupid. With Matt being so obviously the one that's going to turn heel and he keeps fucking up lately, mm. it felt silly to me that the main fuck-up of the match was entirely on Jeff. Like, he literally cost them the belts. Like, And when the whole storyline so far has been like, oh, Matt's a bit of a weirdo, Matt keeps doing things wrong... I thought it was silly to have Jeff be such a fucking idiot at the end of this match. You can have a little moment to think about it, but I was going to ask you guys on the basis of the big win here and how, you know, they were doing really, really well throughout all of their appearances in the Attitude Era podcast season one. It felt like every time they were there, there was a massive improvement, a massive leap forward. They, I think, have to be one of the most successful kind of imports into WWF from ECW ever. 
But are they the greatest tag team of all time from your vantage points and, you know, what you guys have watched and enjoyed? Obviously, no one here is a child of the 80s, but from modern times and looking back, maybe just solely from an entertainment or a consistency point of view, I would say I think they're the greatest tag team of all time. But what do you think? Uh, let's start with Adam. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> I, just, I really don't know what else I could say. I literally can't think of any of the tag teams that come close to the Dudleys. Not to say there aren't any that are really fantastic, but it's, like you say, the Dudleys, they've worked in every company and they've pretty much been on top of the tag division in every company. They're consistently hilarious, really hard-hitting. They put on great matches, almost guaranteed every time. Like, they have, you know, it's not always been successful, but they were quite Madonna-esque in their reinvention ability, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of keep things fresh. And I think they've thrived in every company that they were in. Oh, Billy, what about you? I mean, they're no deuce and domino, but... <laughs> No, no, I, I do, I'd agree with you guys. Mm. I, 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 I don't think I'm not a huge fan of tag wrestling. Tag, yeah. tag wrestling is typically not my thing, but I'm consistently, I consistently find myself enjoying tag wrestling when the Dudleys are involved. Very few people can manage to like do something so consistently well across different companies in times when. You know, WWF in 1989 and WWF in 2003, completely different organisations, yet the Dudley boys still managed to find a way to thrive, like, at both times. And then when they came back in 2016... I mean, people are harsh on that run, I think. They were good. They were fun. They got some young folks over, Mm -hmm. you know? That's really kind of what it was all about. They did a good job on that front, and people popped big to see them. So, yeah, I was happy for that. They better than the fucking Outlaws. Oh, God. Woof, woof. Yikes. Oh, yeah, here we fucking go. Spoilers. You know, everyone always thinks the greatest fuck-up of all time is Michael Cole or WrestleMania 15 kind of going, and don't forget, after tonight is over, WWF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin will be talking to us. It's like, wait, spoilers? Here's some fucking spoilers. WWF Raw, live tomorrow night. Fucking also, live events for the next two weeks all over the Midwest. Maybe they're just being positive. That's got to get into the mind frame of like of, of Team Alliance, Billy. <laughs> They're watching that go, wait a minute, like, are we selling those tickets? <laughs> Who's selling those tickets? Yeah, legit. It's awful. They're advertising WrestleMania every week as well. And like, I remember like that at the time kind of going, you bring up WrestleMania every fucking, every yeah. SmackDown, every Raw, and it's like... It mightn't exist by the time we get to WrestleMania, like... Surely you have someone kind of go, oh, yeah. Like, if you had that segment, then you can come back and have, like, Shane or someone being like, these Alliance live events are going to yeah. be awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome! And we also never find out what the planned fate of WWF New York would be if the Alliance took it over. Would we have Alliance New York? I would thought Nitro Grill would have come back. Nitro Grill! Yeah! You know, transplanted brick by brick from Las Vegas into Times Square in New York, like emerge it with pasta mania as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. Which Hulk Roos. Thunder Cafe. <laughs> Meanwhile, at WWF New York, guess who's not happy to be there? Ooh. I, if- mean, I mean, we usually get lads who are not happy to be there, mm-hmm. but you kind of get it with like the character wouldn't enjoy being here. Mick Foley doesn't really have a character. Mick Foley is Mick Foley, mm-hmm. and Mick Foley does not want to be there. And this is not Mick Foley, the performer. <laughs> this is Mick Foley, the guy who really wants to leave the organisation, quite frankly. <laughs> it's really sad to see Foley at this point in time. He wrote about it in his book how miserable he was with the company at this point. You don't he say. absolutely hated it. He wanted to do lots of outside projects with the company's blessing 
uh, Scooter, novel he wanted to do. He wanted to do more writing. His publishers had said there's interest for you to do more books. He wanted to do more charity work. He wanted to kind of, you know, do stuff with WWE's blessing and kind of go and pick and choose events to speak at. He wanted to be involved in you know, the, the voting. So he just wanted to go and do stuff other than just being the commissioner and whatnot and still being used in some capacity. And he basically, it's hard because, you know, in some of his books, he's very pro-WWE. In some of his books, he's very anti-WWE. depends where he's kind of at mentally yeah. at the time. But in the books where he's anti-WWE and he's talking about this period of time, he pretty much like feels like he has this whole world waiting for him where he's a celebrated author and everyone wants to know about him and he's so in, everyone's so interested to find out. Like he talks about being on this like chat show and they know nothing about him. Mm-hmm. And like literally everything he says seems fascinating to them. They're like, and you wrote a book and you would do all this random, what? Like you know, like aggressors get kind of properly introduced to a mainstream audience. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, this is like the most interesting person mm-hmm. in the world. Like find out why we all love wrestling basically because yeah. all the characters in it are more interesting in real life than what they put on TV. And he said there was a lot of kind of like, not backlash, but anti-support from WWE. They didn't want him out there on other shows talking about stuff. Didn't want him out there doing his own thing, writing, you know, writing a book about being a WWF and saying how great we are at WWF, awesome. Writing a book about a child who gets systematically abused by their step-parents. Maybe not what they want to do as much. So Foley wants out. And he lets it known pretty much in every performance that he's in. And he's tied it into saying, like, the commissionership is a joke. I don't want to be here because I have to answer to Vince McMahon. That's, like, literally... The truth. The truth. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, as soon as I show up tomorrow morning in Charlotte... And Jim Ross like, we'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, And he's like, no, I will see you tomorrow morning because I'm getting the first plane over there to tell whoever's in charge that I quit. Because no matter who wins, I'm out of here. I don't Mm want to do this anymore. And they do do that segment where Foley like goes and asks to quit his job, and literally they did it in the morning as Vince was arriving in his jet, and he just comes up and says, "I'm out of here," and it's like, "Oh, okay," you know, like Foley wanted out so bad. It's really weird to think because he even said that he was the commissioner, and they brought him back, and they didn't want to use him. Like yeah. you know, we talked about No Mercy. He came back and did a few bits. He did like two appearances after that. Yeah, they did Raw in Long Island, New York, his hometown, and he was told he wasn't needed. For fuck's sake. It's pretty kind of shitty. Why did they put this on the pay-per-view? I mean, it's meant to be like, rally the WWF spirit. We're all meant to be like, this is the last chance to save the wrestling show we're passionate about. And we get a little five-minute segment where lovely, fun, baby-faced Mick Foley that is unanimously loved... We see him bitching in WWF New York about how he's not a WWF guy it's anymore. The only reason like, he's there is because Vince made me go. Like. Fucking boo-hoo. We're all meant to be about the WWF yeah. spirit. Just fucking cheer with the fans or something. Get like. some halloumi fries say- in you, for fuck's <laughs> sake. That's what I was going to say. I mean, like, it's, it, it's bad on Mick for not fucking being professional here. Yes. Mick is being very unprofessional here, IRL. He should mm. just be giving it all. Who, who cares if you know, you're unhappy at this moment in time because at this moment in time, that doesn't matter. You're here at this moment, you're being paid to perform. Yep. I think he is under the impression as well that he felt that they wanted him to come back and wrestle because there was the rumour that they wanted him for WrestleMania 17 against Vince. Mm. And he said, absolutely not. Like, And I kind of feel like he is maybe acting out because he wants it to be known that he does no interest in being a competitor in the ropes. And the mm-hmm. reality is, is that Foley does go off and does his own thing. And he wrote in his book, you know, he wrote in his book years later, one of his many books about his life. He's like, yeah, I made loads of investments. 
they didn't pan out as well as I thought they would. I thought I could live off those investments. Didn't happen. The book that I wrote, even though it was critically appraised, there wasn't enough of a market for it. Mick Foley, the fiction writer, was not the career I thought it could be that could sustain me and my style of living. So he had to go back to wrestling. Mm. But he didn't know that. I think at the time, it's mm. kind of you and everyone's like, oh, come and do all this great stuff. The allure of like something new, a new yeah. path. And being out of the WWF umbrella for pretty much the first time as a success. I mean, I could see the allure, but I didn't feel any sympathy for Mick Foley at all leaving here. Not when he's acting so childish on TV like this. What was his first feud back? Was it Edge or Orton? What when neither. he when he finally he, comes back to the ring? Yeah. Oh, when he came back to the ring, it was with Orton. With, yeah. Uh, yeah, Rock and Stop. But when he came back, came back. They did like 2003. They did a thing in Madison Square Garden where like Austin and all them gave him the the, the hardcore belts like that had been deactivated. Oh, yeah. And they had like a really nice kind of in ring segment, and he kind of said, you know, I'll be back. Like, thanks very much. And he was. I think they kind of no more so than with Flair. Foley was someone who was schmoozed back a little bit. Yeah. With very nice in-ring segments and praise and words of encouragement but it is very sad to see that you know we're looking at one of the big three from the attitude era in many ways and he is abjectly miserable at this company Mm -hmm. it speaks volumes about how much this place has changed in the previous year because year before he said being a commissioner was like literally the highlight of his career he he adored it best job now he's banging on the door that's it back to Long Island backstage Scotty Tuhati gets killed by test who steals a spot in the upcoming Immunity Battle Royale. Immunity! Doesn't work that way. You can't just beat someone up and then take their place, mate. That's not how it works. Well, as they say, what comes around is all around, because in the 2004 Royal Rumble, Mick Foley stole Test's spot to enter in. Huh. There you go. Did anyone list all the competitors? Yep. Oh, Billy, yeah. Fucking hell, doing the chores so we don't have to. So I can put in the three lads. Should I put in the three lads who come in halfway through as well? Yeah, everyone who's in between them ropes. Okay. Albert, Billy Gunn. This is in alphabetical order as well. Albert, Billy Gunn, Billy Kidman, Bradshaw, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Chuck Palumbo, Crash, Diamond Dallas Page, Farouk, Vanaki, Hugh Morris, Just Incredible, Lance Storm, Perry Satin, Raven, Sean Stasiak, Spike Dudley, Stevie Richards, Taz, Test, Hurricane, Tommy Dreamer. Wow. And three of those lads come in halfway through. Chavo, Hugh, and Taz come in halfway through. Just cause. Okay, first thing I want to ask you guys, this is the Immunity Battle Royale. Whoever wins this means they can't be fired for 12 months, regardless of who takes over. Who is the most shocking entrant in this battle royale? Fanaki. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's like, he's, we haven't seen him around. He just appeared. That's true. Was was anything really at stake with Fanaki? I mean, he's a, at least all the other lads have been around. Fanaki wants immunity. He wants to keep getting them checks to not wrestle. Yeah, <laughs> he loves the catering. Like. The only one that shocked me, and this is for a different reason, but Perry Saturn, because he's clean shaven and he oh, looks like God. a weird little baby. Like he's so fucking odd. Don't like it. Don't like it. Scary. No love for DDP. No shock for DDP in here. I mean, he shouldn't be there. He shouldn't be, but it's not shocking. It's pretty typical, to be honest. I would have maybe put him in the main event to be one of the lads if they'd done a bit more with him. Well, they have brought him back, as we said, and he has the positively page gimmick. Mm. Obviously, before this was the big show, had a mini feud with him where he just destroyed him. But, like, they had a great save where he came out and he goes, It's the big show! And he goes, Show? I like you. And all of these fans hate you because you make silly noises and you look 
ridiculous. So you should join the Alliance. And that's why uh, Big Show then dressed up as DDP on SmackDown. Oh, for Jesus With, with fake, fake teeth and everything. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Let's have an, uh, I was say a wee bit of fun, but it wasn't a bit of fun. A wee bit of yoga. Like. wee bit of DDP yoga, like. Well, well, if it makes you feel any better, I did I did some research into this, and apparently, except for the roar after this, after this, this is never mentioned again. What, the immunity battle royale? Yeah, but the, that the person who wins this has a year of they can't be fired is never mentioned again after the roar after this. I do think he does mention it now and then, but in that, it doesn't actually factor into a story. Yeah, it's never brought... It's never... Ever... Biggest problem with this stipulation to me as well is I think all it does is, and you know that WWF's going to win the whole fucking thing, but when you see this and you think, well, whichever guy wins the Immunity Battle Royal, his team is definitely going to lose in the main event, otherwise it's a waste of a stipulation. So if an Alliance guy wins this Battle Royal, WWF is definitely, definitely yeah. going to win. Because why would they be fired otherwise? Exactly. It's so, such a spoiler. This. It is, and it's just a waste of time. Currently in the ring, Aww. members of the Alliance fighting Mutee. <laughs> <laughs> they come out to bodies, do they? Body yes, yeah. they do. Now, one, there's a couple of things here that we need to clear up. Number one, not everyone who you listed you might think is Team Alliance is Team Alliance because Chuck Palumbo, he, he hit the bricks, pal. He got fired because oh, yeah. he did nothing with his opportunity <laughs> so he's a free agent oh yeah a free comes, agent but he comes out with the alliance no guys. he comes out with WWF Billy Chuck oh. Palumbo is now team WWF through and through we had a segment on Raw where literally it's like folks down in WWF New York we got a new tag team is being announced it's bam 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 I goes Billy Gunn with Chuck Palumbo just like raise each other's arms pointing at Chuck's winter coat just pointing at each other and here's the actual quote that we got and Jim Ross goes uh, Billy Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo they start themselves a, a new tag team and Heyman goes huh Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo looks to me like oh god it's Rob Van Dam and they just cut to RBD <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think happens as you mean to go on yeah seriously <laughs> what totally happened with Chuck Palumbo it's just like in uh, maybe in Arrested Development she, he just kind of arrived into WWF New York and Billy Gunn's like hey man what are you doing here marry me <laughs> and then it just kind of escalates from there and then he has to actually marry Billy Gunn because he does he marries Billy Gunn is what he sake. does a uh, highlight of DDP though with this new gimmick, is yeah. every time they do the big, all the Alliance members are backstage or they're all in the ring, DDP is just there smiling going, Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, kind of like, you know when they have the uh, closed captions late at night where the person doing the sign language and they'll do the quite, the big facial expressions to kind of put over nice. the emotions. That's why I feel that DDP, because he's obscured, you can only see his face going, you know, do the face. I think that's what he could be trying to do is convey the emotion to make it more accessible. It's Taz! So Taz is not a member of the Alliance or the WWF. No. Guess what happened, guys? Taz was a bit of a stick in the mud and he stood up to Stone Cold Steve Austin for the third time! Mm -hmm. For the third time! But surely this time it was the big sort of moment where it's like, yeah, Taz! 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 You know something, Stone Cold? Let me ask you a question! You come out here and you talk about DTA! It now stands for Don't Trust 
Austin. Then on SmackDown, after you've been beaten up, I got a lot of complicated feelings about the Alliance. Oh, but I sake. think that the Alliance are going home, champions. <laughs> and the Alliance. Uh. And then when Heyman cut his big promo with Vince that we talked mm. about earlier, as a case in point, he went to Vince. He went, Let ch- look at Taz. Look at Taz in ECW. This man was a killer. And look at him now. He's a fat, obnoxious, sports entertaining colour commentator and not even a good one at that. <laughs> That's his mate. Oh, yeah. you got the stink lines in it. <laughs> so they had Heyman get choked out by Taz. And so Taz, no one knows who he's with. Chavo Guerrero and Hugh Morris. Oh, these little cowards. Like So they come to Vince. This is really depressing. It puts over how depressing, like, the actual, if you were a WCW wrestler, it was. Mm-hmm. They show up to Vince on one of the last draws. They go, look, Vince, me and Hugh, like, we wanted to come here. When WCW went out of business, we wanted to try out for here. And our contracts got bought off. Like, we want to work for you, like. Can we just have a tryout if it doesn't go well? And he's like, get out of here. And then later on, Stephanie and Shane found out that they had asked for jobs and they fired them too. What have you done with your opportunity, Chavo Guerrero Jr.? (laughs) Nothing. You are nothing. (laughs) So yeah, they're all uh, free agents. Meat is the first one out. He gets eliminated before the bell. (laughs) So So really? he He gets thrown out and then like two seconds later, the bell dings. Does that mean that he's like technically... He's, t- he's still in it. He's got immunity. Yeah. Can't be fired as a physiotherapist or whatever he does now. Like You can't fire that which is never on screen. Like. <laughs> it's like uh, Heath Slater. He's still got means chance. Oh. Um, Crash Holly got a big pop for seeing him though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen him in like forever. And I was very sad to see... You know what? DDP is quite sad. Albert though was very miserable to see because mm. he just got fucking thrown to the side. Yeah. Relegated. Considering what he was doing at the start of this season for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was being put on. I mean, I. IC champion. Mm-hmm. Fucking, fucking looking press, like a monster. Getting pressing over. Kane over the top of his head. Yeah, nothing now. So when Taz is announced or he's coming out, Jim Ross going down fighting, taking any chance to bury ECW. Oh, look, Paul, it's Taz. Well, come on, is he, is he homicidal? Is he genocidal? That serves to do nothing other than irritate Taz and Sabu who, quite frankly, are probably irritated enough already with literally everything. (laughs) All the important wrestlers eliminate the other very important wrestlers. DDP gets eliminated by Chuck Palumbo as the camera misses his one spot where he goes, it's my new gimmick. Whoa! (laughs) And JR and Paul don't call it as a result. They have to wait till like 10 minutes later when there's a replay. Best thing, though, is when Hugh and Chavo are trying to get their jobs back. Jim Ross goes, well, these two guys, you know, if you saw on Raw, Paul, these two guys, I don't know if you saw, they try to butter both sides of their bread. <laughs> Which, I'm not going to lie, sounds delicious. But very hard to do without yeah, getting a buttery mess everywhere. I mean, that would be butter spread over too much bread if you do try to do it on both sides. <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> Have you rewatched Lord of the Rings recently or something? No, I mean, we listened to the cinema swirl of it. Oh, that's okay. all like. So, Robbie Rotten gets eliminated. Yeah. Taz just starts mouthing off to Paul and gets eliminated. And as he goes after Heyman, Heyman hides behind Jim Ross. Like, kind of, yeah, come on, get me, get me. And JR! Whoa! Both barrels of his misogyny sawn off shotgun. Yeah. You, you woman, you coward, hiding behind me like a woman. 
your woman. Now, when women and hiding behind comes up in the WWF, JR, usually it's a man hiding behind a woman yeah. to get heelies. Yeah. He also, he goes, he, uh, when he's talking about Steph, he calls her a man-eating Jezebel. A man-eating Jezebel? And when Heyman questions him about it, he says, and I could call you the same thing as well. So he calls Heyman a man-eating Jezebel as well. Is it just For seemingly me? no reason. Yeah, he does a few times, doesn't he, JR? He kind of like makes all these random allusions to Paul's personal life. Mm-hmm. Like, he does make out like about him having a foot fetish before. Mm. He does make these sly references where it's like, I'm by a lot of things, but, you know, like, Lingual's not one of them. He does make that out like that Paul maybe, you know, butters his bread on both sides. <laughs> And then there's another one where he's like, oh, are you going to go back living with your mom and dad because you're yeah. bankrupt? He's like, all right, mate. Don't make me feel sorry for fucking evil Paul Heyman living in his mask gaff. Like. But yeah, Heyman does call him a sexist. Yeah. And, and Heyman's right. Like. JR doubles down. Like, and then Heyman calls him a sexist again. Test eliminates Bradshaw, Lance, and Billy Gunn pretty much all at once. Test wins. But he was never officially in the match. So whoever got eliminated before Test wins. So what you get now because of this is a few segments where Test looks at himself in the mirror and goes, I've got immunity. <laughs> and that's it. And like, that hey, sounds weird. Hey, Stacy, I've got immunity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to, STD. I don't need like, to use protection. I've got immunity. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, they, I hate using them, and also I've got immunity, so oh, okay. I can't be a dad because I got immunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're yeah. under arrest, Mister Martin. No, I've got immunity. No, you, no, you don't, sir. No, you don't. He gets his ironclad contract. It's yeah. good because I hear they're ironclad, as as we we found out with the Big Show in 2015. Ironclad. <laughs> So, yeah, we got a nice little bit here at the end where Heyman just tries to kind of... The master misdirection. Heyman will do something really over the top and silly that makes you forget and not think about the the obvious loophole there, which you guys pointed out, which is, well, the Alliance aren't winning. Yep. Because Test just won a big gimmick and cheated to get in and get that gimmick. And Test is being pushed and Test wants to be preserved and protected. So we're not going to give him a gimmick that he doesn't get a chance to use. Yep. And then Hayden goes, no matter what happens tonight, folks, the Alliance will win. The Alliance will win. Anything can happen, but the Alliance will win. Later on tonight, the Alliance will win. He just keeps <laughs> saying it. Backstage? Oh, shit, man. How many years have we been doing this? Years. Booker T and Shane McMahon, the, the veterans of WCW. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, when I see them, it's like, oh, man, Tony Schiavone, you know, <laughs> Scott Hudson, Arn Anderson. <laughs> The names, man. How, how long have we been doing this shit? Like, you know, I got nostalgic for WCW <laughs> seeing these two backstage. And Booker's just like, oh, God, this is, this is all fucking rubbish. This is Shane's like, yeah, yeah, but come on, Will. It's nearly over. It's nearly over. I've got the car booked. <laughs> Coming up next, six cowards fighting for the cowardly women's championship. The coward, Trish Stratus. The known coward, Lisa, active female wrestler who wrestles men but is still a coward, Jazz. Former Glow competitor, badass, all-round amazing competitor but definitely a coward, (laughs) Ivory, Molly the Coward Holly, and Jacqueline the fucking coward. 
Just ten minutes of all six women <laughs> hiding behind the referee. Oh, look at them! Look at them, all the cowards! I wish they'd fight. A couple of things about this. One, we had a very tiny backstage segment where it's like, oh yeah, the women's belt has been uh, vacated, so you guys want to wrestle for us? Judgment Day 2001, China and Lita was the last time they'd been defended. China went her separate ways. I'll show you, China. We'll show you we don't take women's wrestling seriously. We're not going to have a belt for the next fucking months and months and months. Trish Stratus, by the way, who's back from injury, has like wrestled, I think, maybe once since then at Rebellion. Mm. It's Oh, no, she wasn't even. She was a special guest referee. Yeah. So, women's division isn't up to much. You've got all these women. They're doing fuck all. Like, Ivory's honestly wrestling the most out of anyone here. Stacy is getting a few matches here and there, mm. but there is no women's division. So, we're going to make one now. Have a women's championship. Did you guys miss the women's belt this whole time? I mean, it wasn't much in the Attitude Era, though, was it? Didn't miss the belts, but I missed the women's competition. Just because we know we've got Trish and Lita and Jackie and Ivory. Like, yeah, I don't got... want to just see them in backstage segments exactly. on, the, on the arms of the Hardys and, and other people. Let them wrestle. Yeah. I, want to see the, I want to see them. You've got a great mix here. You've got, honestly, four... Five, like known, like because Trish is still probably at that point where she's still learning and still she's still green. Yeah. You know, Lita, as amazing as Lita is, she was always quite, you know, a bit rough and ready in many respects in the ring. But Jazz, she's fucking awesome. I've never heard of Jazz before. What? Jazz is fucking amazing. She, she is brilliant. so Jazz great. is like in the in the little bits of pieces that she gets here tonight. She really shows off tonight. The highlight of this match is literally when Jazz comes out to that awesome. Oh, 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 oh my like, god! It's like Spyro the Dragon music. Like, yes. Oh, I was gonna say Beastie Boys album track. You know, they're like, we've just done six rap songs. Let's throw some jazz in there as well, baby. Like. DJ Jazzy Jeff, what have you got in the back? Why did they wait until the very last part of this saga to bring in a legit female athlete on the invasion? Who the is? Alliance? ECW through and through. Through and through. Has a defined, clear history with the company and can wrestle and is a beast. They've had her since the beginning as well. Yeah. Yeah. She's not just coming at now. They've had her since the top. And they probably had her in developmental or doing dark matches, but it's like, look, guys. Jazz is one thing, but when you got the real catches catch can wrestlers like Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler, like Don't get me wrong, like, great to have a variety of characters, but Jazz is sorely needed. It's literally Ivory was fucking hoisted up this entire fucking shitty angle on her yeah. back to keep heel women relevant. Molly Holly, like, well, Joe was watching this from How To, like, she was in the room at the time and she saw Mighty Molly and she's like, she looks devastated. She looks absolutely, like, if you manage to find a way to make Molly Holly more embarrassed than if she had to do, like, one of those silly sexy gimmicks, it's like, I'm going to find a way to embarrass you in whole new ways. Mm. Put on this cringy cape. It's really cringy. But Jazz is awesome, Molly's awesome, Ivory's awesome, Jackie's awesome, Lee and Trish have got great chemistry and great history, but these are, as we now know, women who are wrestling with like 20 pairs of handcuffs. Yeah. How do you have a match like this, a six-pack challenge, where you have to tag in, Ugh. you can't do punches, you no. can't do you know half the moves that the men can do. And you've got three minutes. <laughs> three <laughs> minutes! as no exaggeration mm-hmm. as well the highlight of this match is when Jazz comes in and it's like what the fuck it's Jazz and Heyman is like she tore through every woman and most of the men in ECW and she runs the ring she does a big t- high spot or two and that's kind of from there the match is like downhill more or less mm-hmm. everyone just starts doing their finishers it's that 
that style of match that we got until like WrestleMania 31, it feels like, where mm. all the women come in, do one or the ones who can wrestle do one or two spots, and then we just do our finishers. Poison Ivory is a cool name for Ivory's finisher, though. I don't like that. Oh, wordplay, mate. Come on. You don't, there's no such thing as Poison Ivory. like Poison Ivy? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah? That's not what they said. They said Poison Ivory. God, maybe that's why like all these like you know really bad ivory dealers like oh no this is the poison ivory we are doing the elephants a favor like trust me <laughs> see all that black gunk running through the middle of it yeah like, killed him in the end like. yeah we're we're actually doing a community service here like so yeah it really did feel like a six woman tag I have to keep reminding myself it's not three alliance women versus three WWF women and very very short yeah. jazz is the highlight of the match easily. Trish picks up the win with the Stratisfaction, and, you know, it's all right. Best women's match we've probably had in the sense that they weren't removing everyone's clothes. <laughs> it's um, it's certainly a promising start, to show, say the least, that, you know, we've got these, at the very least, we've got these six women who will be able to, you know, centre a division around. So it's good mm-hmm. from that perspective, yeah. knowing... From here on out, hopefully, I don't know how fucking down the pan it's going to go. Well, no, if you just think but, you've got these six, all it's going to take now is like a good 13 years and then you should be good yeah. then. Like, but so. they, they do use Molly and they use Jazz and they use Ivory. They use these women to get over Trish Stratus yeah. and Trish does learn a lot from those and you do kind of... You then do, I guess, in a few years, even though it's still in the toilet and they still are completely like, you know... They they have loads of things they can't do. You at least have a star who's been built up as a you know who who's a competitor you know mm. as opposed to just like the only stuff we've seen in two thousand one so far has been like Stacy and Tori in their underpants in various different guises. So yep. anything is better than that. Heyman starts asking Jr. for a hug. What? Yeah, he's like, come on, give me a hug. It's gonna be the last time you see each other. Come on, come on. Losing his mind at this point. Give us a kiss. I ain't gonna kiss you. I wouldn't kiss a boy. (laughs) (laughs) You coward. I will say as well. I don't know how popular a move it is, but I really like the Stratisfaction as a Mm, finisher. The little like bulldog that springboard off the rope. I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Very easy to fuck up, I imagine as well. Yes. If you miss that rope, yeah, Yeah. you go straight out the ring, look like a dumbass. This is the first time Trish does it. It's her debut, and she. This is her first women's championship. She she wins. I mean, if you compare the Survivor Series 2000 a year before. She's still very much like a TNA valet who's just kind of there to make out some six-man tags, like, you know. So it's good that she is starting to be treated as a competitor, probably, and actually Mm -hmm. a serious wrestler to an extent. Backstage, it's time to get psyched up. Vince McMahon with his boys. Each and every one of you, quite frankly, will be justifiably, professionally, and personally Disgraced if you fuck this up. Not nice, nice speech, Vince. Literally, fucking hell. He starts Ooh. off by saying, "I could be looking at a bunch of losers." Like right in the Undertaker, the Undertaker. All, all I ask you is to remember that no one will forgive you if you lose. Fucking hell, Vince. Says there is not a single WWF fan in the universe that will forgive you if you lose this. This is brilliant. Even before WWE Universe was a, was a phrase, he literally meant the shoot universe. Yeah. Like any planet, the cosmos, any, any like. galaxy. It's like when uh, Bart's doing the golf tournament. Remember, if you lose, you're out of the family. <laughs> <laughs> I do like when he invokes these big names from the past. He's like, names like... Gorilla Monsoon! Hey! 
Andre the Giant. <laughs> and looks, he looks right at the rock. He might as well give him a little kiss. Hi, Chief Peter Maivia. <laughs> and Rock is like, why are you doing this? It's really weird. All oh, the great names. Tony Gurria. Mm. Blackjack Mulligan. Dick Ebersole. The, the He Hate Me guy from X, XFL. <laughs> uh, All of these names that are very important to me and Miyoki. Yeah. <laughs> and then he also admits that the rumours about Austin are not true. He was bullshitting all along. He just casually oh, throws aside. Really? That wasn't true? Yeah. Huh. A little bit of Hollywood magic there, pal. Huh. I also say as well, it's the first chance we get a look at it. This is the worst best cane that we have. Oh, oh I was wondering your thoughts on it. Describe the cane. Fucking hate it. This is the most serious event in sports entertainment history and you got the nerve to come out here in your fucking PJs. Like, it's big. <laughs> it's the normal vest with the flames and everything, but it's all bright fucking red. Like, it looks like you see something like, oh, I love sriracha so much, I got sriracha pyjamas. Like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> you look like a moron, Kane. I, 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 I'm kind of hoping that that sauce will sponsor us, so like, you know, oh, just kind of... Lifetime supply sriracha. I do like that you could mm. have the sriracha hot tag scale just say and send us all the sauces mm. just don't send us any of the pajamas we will bury them <laughs> absolutely and resolutely now this is great because we're leading up to our big final showdown winner take all in our main event and this is not the first confrontation vince has been having with his people backstage this is kind of a, one of many that he's had where he's been going to people and being like for fuck's sake come on we gotta win this mm-hmm. and the best one was when he goes up to the Undertaker and he's like I never meant to say Undertaker that I doubted your loyalty for a second the whole time Undertaker's doing his little dance his little jig come got, on boy young boy I got worms boy come on boy I kissed my dog boy <laughs> So yeah, Undertaker's there jigging around and he goes, I'll tell you what, Vince, you can kiss my ass. And he walked off. No, don't do that. You'll get worms. (laughs) (laughs) And the cycle continues. Because the next night on Raw, someone else kisses Vince's ass and he gets worms. Like... It keeps going. Oh. Literally, WWF a ruthless aggression is the ruthless itching that comes oh. with all these people getting fucking worms. Time for a caption contest because it's caption contest time. Greetings from the future, but still relative to you. It's the past. It's cowboy caption Kevin Mann here alongside Adam. Insert footy comment here, Bibolo. Hi, Adam. Nice one. Hey. hey. So, uh, while I was uh, I was off taking care of business, you uh, posted the caption du jour. What is this lovely picture? It is Stephanie and the Alliance backstage in their locker room. I've been a big old scream at the monitor. Spoiler alert: things don't go the way that the Alliance are hoping it's going to later on I mean Kevin it's not WCW network that you can buy for 9.99 these days I think everyone knows where it's going we're not all speaking German these days uh, mate I think you refer to it as Alliance Network if you don't mind apologies Alliance Network where you can get things like Lion Witch in the Wardrobe <laughs> um, any of the movies where it's the you know the big cat that start going you know <laughs> Alliance Network <laughs> We're going to be diving into facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast where you can always take part in our caption contests. Or the thing we like more than caption contests is people complaining about caption contests. You can do that there as well. Yeah, maybe we didn't pick the picture that you suggested. Maybe you should have a go at us for it. Oh, this is a really, really great image. You've got a great cast of characters here. You've got Stephanie, of course, wailing in the middle. The bottom right is Jazz, who's just kind of got her eyes closed. 
Bubba Ray looks like he's left the oven on. Stacy Keebler doesn't really know what she's meant to be upset about, but is figuring <laughs> everyone else is as well. And Meat is just glad that he's managed to run out this long, you know? Yeah, he's on screen, mate. He's happy about it. <laughs> he has the look of someone at the end of Bargain Hunt who said, you know what? I may have lost a lot of money, but I had a good run nonetheless, and I'm still here. Hey, I got my full 20 minutes, so what are you going to do? <laughs> and I got this fleece. So. Oh. And Billy Kilman, one hand over his eye, pretending to be a pirate, which was uh, <laughs> the most interesting thing Billy Kidman has done so far in season three. Well, I don't think we need any captions after that description, Kevin. I think we're done here. I just want to set the scene so people know what we're talking about. Starting things off here, Cameron Thompson. When Vince said he was going to publicly fuck Ted Turner, everyone assumed it was a Turner phrase. It was not. For the love of God. Brian Bradshaw, the Alliance locker room realize uh, that they have lost to the WWF. Charles Montgomery McMahon has the right to revoke their dental plan. <laughs> but Stacy needs braces. <laughs> Joe Merrick, as Steve reached his 70th verse of Bravely Brave Steve Austin, Alliance karaoke night starts to take a horrific turn. Russell Hillier with Steph's reaction when she found out that William Regal had set up the Alliance WWE Network account, meaning they're going to pay £9.99 a month rather than 9.99 a month yes what the this fucking shit that's so bad that I was like outraged for a week four years ago yeah what we've been fucking had that's how conversion works though I mean you you went to Greece recently I'm assuming you just sort of changed the pound symbol to a euro and then you were good to go an eye for an eye a pound for a dollar this is not how the world works Adam this is absurd the other bringing out the one like oh tiered WWE network plans so $9.99 gets you the current plan or you can pay $14.99 get access to things like Ring of Honor and Mm. TNA Impact that's what we've been paying for fucking ages you owe me a lot of overrated and frankly underrated (laughs) Ring of Honor and TNA product right this second young man Tyler Gamble when Sean Stasiak didn't know that the gazpacho soup was served cold could you believe the disrespect how does he think he'll ever eat at the captain's table ever again? God's sake. Justin Hofstetter from the Manuel Noreggio playbook. The WWF decides to torture the Alliance out of their own dressing room by playing Stephanie McMahon's own theme song on non-stop repeat at max volume. Oh, it is bad. I was talking to someone about this the other day about crap themes. Yeah. Stephanie's got one of the worst, most Well, which one? Which one are you talking about now? Now, I got my little bad. I feel like a little queen down. Well, it's Stephanie. Hey, Yo, big nasty Stephanie coming to the ring. There's a part where she's like, she's a funky mama see that. The whole world beater. It's like, what? What are you on about? She, she's fucking off. She's like Beyonce, but better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I could take that one played non-stop repeat. I could maybe take my time played non-stop on repeat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let the bodies hit the floor. She's briefly as well. Maybe I could tell you about that. What about, um... I'm more grown up. Yeah. And now I listen and learn the true sounds of finally taking my turn. The truth. Uh... Open that, go in the back, go in the... <laughs> what about Run DMC's DX theme on repeat all day? Mm. You'd like that, wouldn't you? I would, wouldn't it? Jake Freeman. Bubba Ray and Devon don't understand why everyone's yelling. As they're all still suffering from the concussion-like symptoms from oh. Royal Rumble 2001. Oh, boy. Jeez. Thanks for bringing that one up. Scrambled brains. Lord Kev Croft. Hey, folks. Thanks for signing up for Global Force Gold. Now, if y'all get an alliance, and they all each get an alliance, then congratulations. You've taken the first step to losing 50% ownership of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> 
but consortium was me. <laughs> Stephanie's face. This is Kieran O'Donnell here. Stephanie's face when she realizes that Vince has found out the fountain of youth and will never die. Chris Andrews. Bro, I swear to God, the first thing we doing now that I has come back is we gonna have an invasion rage party. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, alliance rage party. Yes. You know? Rage party is very befitting of the alliance aesthetic. Absolutely. Thing, like. William Regal there in a three-piece suit nodding along suggestively. Yes. Fucking Sean O'Hare just in the zone with a little fucking whistle. Yeah. Shane McMahon getting drunk and groping people again. Like, that'd be great. Only reason this alliance story started is that Shane wanted to do another party and Vince said no and Shane said, I'll show you, Dad. <laughs> start my own company with quick, rage parties quick mention of this because how often does the fucking rage party come up I found out the other day apparently uh, Isaac Hayes didn't want to do chocolate salty balls at the rage party so, do tell explain to me apparently he was just like he wanted to do his own music like some actual Isaac Hayes songs and they were like no we want you to do the South Park song didn't you look at the New Age Outlaw shirt, mate? It doesn't say yeah. Isaac Hayes, respected artist. What do you think they're booking you for? Shaft. Like, it ain't that, mate. No, it's because of balls. That's why. They're funny. Now fucking sing the song. <laughs> Chris Martin, between meat recording everyone's conversations and DDP filming everyone's wives, nobody suspected GTV to be the ones to announce that the A podcast would be reviewing Legends. <laughs> <laughs> In our dreams, does, mate. Does that count as an announcement officially? No, I think we said we're not doing Legends House now. Ever since Roddy passed, we just feel a bit weird about it. Like. Uh, they don't feel weird about having it up on the network still, so I mean, how weird could it be? I mean, I'm just grateful about the fact that we didn't do Legends House before he passed, because honestly, 90% of our material would have been, oh, Roddy's mad, isn't he? He's fucking bonkers, like. Matthew Shaggy Petit. After finally getting around to watching Tim Burton's remake of Planet of the Apes, the Alliance simply could not believe the twist ending. <laughs> Mate, in, in 2001, that was the biggest twist going, like. Yeah, Stephanie's already had enough of them monkeys as it is, mate. Mark Valentine. Hey guys, I got a new tattoo today. It means a lot to me. It's just part of what's going on in my mind. <laughs> Mike Miller, the Alliance received a mysterious audition tape and realized they missed out on the most dangerous weapon in the history of professional wrestling, Naked Midian. Oh, yeah, he was around, wasn't he? John Weiss, the Alliance thought they had the video of Sarah from DDP, but it just turned out to be Undertaker and Kane's UFO recording. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. That, that's what we need. Right? Once you have him down in Saudi, get him with a fucking someone with a handheld cam and do the half an hour tape of like the sky and like nothing really visible. Yeah. Taker and Kane chatting to each other. With like, big like aluminum bazookas or some shit like that they bought online, you know. Oh, those aliens are gonna think twice before they land around here in Death Valley, boy. Do you think that the reason they've not come is because our crystals were too powerful? <laughs> we went UFO hunting in the desert, but I filled up those bikes with only half the fuel we would need. Simon Yates rounding us off here. In a cruel twist of fate, Sean Stasiak enters the Alliance locker room and overhears his own private privately taped conversations <laughs> being played to the masses. Sweet revenge. Beautiful. Well, that was a fantastic caption contest. I like that it was meat heavy, said the man in the sandwich shop, because we're not going to be seeing, we're not going to be seeing this galoosh anymore. I want to have another couple, couple more kicks at him, like, you know, a couple more digs in, like, you know. 
get at O'Shawn Stasio. Don't you ever think of coming back. <laughs> Stay being a physiotherapist. Like Mark Mero, just like, once you're out, you're out. You're out for life. Stay out. Yeah, think of all your clients with their physiotherapy needs. You wouldn't want them to, to have to go without their favourite therapist, Sean Stasiak. Record them while he's doing the video, like in that room. Possibly. Dodgy. I mean, history has been known to repeat itself. But will history repeat itself later on? Will the Alliance take over WWF? Will we be doing for season four Alliance Raw and Alliance <laughs> SmackDown Crawl? Well, let's get back to it as Kevin, Adam, and Billy get their teeth stuck into the main event of Survivor Series 2001. Oh, God, here we go. The Alliance team, they're bopping down the hall. A motley crew of WWF competitors, if there ever was one. Winner take all. Team WWF are going to wipe the Alliance off the face of this earth. I've had it with this Alliance crap, this invasion crap. What I'm proposing is that Survivor Series, there's one match. That match will determine which entity will finally survive. It's winner take all. Winner, winner take all. You want to put it all on the line? You're on it. One match, winner take all. The WWF stays in business or the Alliance stays in business. My God, my God, what is this? Oh my God, don't tell me. Kurt Angle has joined the Alliance. My God, it can't be. It's true. For the love of God. Our worst nightmare has manifested itself. Jericho and The Rock have completely disintegrated. Someone from the Alliance Survivor Series coming over to the World Wrestling Federation. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Did you see the way the Alliance members were looking at me? See, DTA now stands for Don't Trust Austin. Austin just stunned Angle. Now what the hell is that? The question is, Who's defecting from the Alliance? You know what? It's nobody. My father has done a masterful job of planting a seed so that the Alliance breaks down from within. But I hear I've been here a long damn time, and I ain't ready for my career to be over. We're a team, damn it. And we need to start acting like it. Do I make myself clear? Stephanie and I have put every single thing that we have on the line. It's everyone is on the line. It'll be one match, winner take all. The WWF lives or the Alliance will live. The World Wrestling Federation will wipe the Alliance off the face of this earth. Vince McMahon will see the WWF die. I love the way you break my skin. I feel the hate you place inside. I need to get your voice out of my head. Cause I'm the guy you'll never find. I think you know. No expressions on your face I hope that someday you will let me go Release me from my dirty cage
winner take all. Team Alliance, Booker T, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, and Rob Van Dam versus Team WWF, The Rock, Kane, Big Show, Undertaker, and Y2J, Chris Jericho. What did you think of our hype-up package for this one? The music sounded like Empty Bottle by DKR. And we got some proper old school Vince McMahon. Winner take all. Winner, winner take yeah. all. I'm sick and tired of this Alliance crap. crap, crap. <laughs> Kurt Angle turned heel. Mm-hmm. And he turned heel because he literally just did. Yeah. And you think, they make it out here, it's just random. Like, oh, Kurt Angle just came out. He attacked The Undertaker. He attacked people. Like, and that was really it, but the worst thing about it was that they said that tonight someone will defect to the Alliance. Which isn't true, and uh, technically at all. Well, it he get, did at the time. Like, well, no, he didn't. Don't no. Worry, don't, all right, let me tell you what you think about this segment then, because they said someone's going to defect from the WWF to the Alliance tonight. Again, it's to make everyone paranoid, which is the exact same strategy Vince uses the week after. So obviously. Like. Oh, God, it's a long four weeks, lads. Let's just fucking say... And, yeah, they do a bit where Austin literally says, I want to meet Kurt Angle. I want him to join the Alliance. And, like, okay. And then Kurt goes to Vince and he says, can you believe it? Stone Cold Steve Austin wants me to join the Alliance. And Vince goes, well, I think you should go, Kurt. Go and talk to him. But just tell you what, though. Why don't you take this with you? I was going to use it, but I thought maybe you could take this two by four and he gives Kurt a two by four he's very sexy when he was talking which is very enough and so there is this segment where Stone Cold Steve Austin this is like after all the shit these two have been through and Kurt's still a face and it just killed their whole feud Kurt Angle has got a two by four and he knocks on the door and he comes in to Steve Austin and he literally waves a two by four going and I goes I just want to talk to you I want to talk to you you want to join the Alliance? Why would I join the Alliance? You're bogus. I hate you. Come on. What do you think about it? No way, man. And then later on, he joined the Alliance that night. like So they even like literally showed it to you happening. Yeah. And the crowds were flat. Mm. So flat. Turn and Kurt heel. It's obviously a bad idea. But for me, I think it made the crowd go flat for two reasons. One, it made it that... No one took anything seriously anymore. Like I remember, like three friends of mine who watched wrestling said, "Fuck it." At this point, they're like, "This yep. is dumb, ludicrous." Like, like a thirteen-year-old going, "This is storytelling is ludicrous." <laughs> I will stick to the Pokemon Indigo League anime <laughs> if you don't mind. Secondly, I do think nine uh, eleven factors into this. We had Kurt Angle as the all-American hero. We all came through 9-11 together and Unforgiven together because of Kurt Angle, the Olympic hero, the American, the red, white, and blue, and now he's turned his back on us. I think that's a part. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's mostly to me. I don't know about the 9-11 stuff, but to me, it's mostly just the flip-flopping. I think once you've done so many turns as a part of one angle, like you just devalue the turn itself and immediately it means less. And I think at this point, like, right, Kurt's a heel again, is he? Fine, whatever. We'll boo uh... him now if that's what you want. Just please, let's get to the end of this fucking show. Am I reading too much into this then? Um, if by thinking Kurt's a mole. He is. Yeah, he, he is. is a mole. That's the plan. So, and like Kevin said, it wasn't even very subtle like, that that was the plan. Yeah, like, you literally have Vince going, like on the t- other side of the two by four, I bet it's like join and betray yeah. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. like, Why else would you use the two by four? Yeah. The most notoriously difficult weapon to work with ever in wrestling. See, I... See, I... If... If... 
see, knowing it's wrestling, they've probably they've written it badly. Yeah. But I, I think I, I think as an idea, it, it, it can work of having the mole. Mm-hmm. Mm. But at the same time, it should have been someone who's there longer. Yes, it shouldn't have it been, should have been in four Booker weeks. T, Booker T, maybe. Mm-hmm. Have Booker T, he's been, you know, working them the whole time. That worked or, better, yeah. Or one of the other guys. You can't, can't do it with Austin because you've done it too many fucking times yep. with Austin. Yeah. And it's too short notice to do it to... Angle, have it be mm. Booker T, yeah, or you know, because Booker T like, could get RVD. over as a, oh Rob Van Dam or Booker could have gotten over as a massive face. Yep. Then the reality is, all you do is instead of giving those guys a rub they could have sort of done with, you end up making everyone a bit sick of Kurt and a very sick of Austin. I think at the same time, mm. I don't know. It really feels that after this night, neither of those guys are as hot as they ever Not were all. before all of this happens. Just to think, you had the Austin and RVD like he was suspicious of RVD all last month, but now they've kind of forgotten about that storyline it would have been a fucking hell of a swerve if it was him you're so right like anyone but angle would have been a great mole they have a few little mini stories running through this you've obviously got the rock and y2j who are our loggerheads being the tag partners they become tag champions and like there's like to show you how bad the alliance are, are being treated they did do a bit where rock and jericho were defending the tag belts or Rock and Jericho were in a match for the tag belts. They literally did a bit where they started fighting each other and laid each other out with finishers, and they still won the match. Even though they fought themselves, Fuck Booker T sake. and Test still lost Jesus. to them. That's fucking shocking. But the cool thing they did, though, is that Jericho, when he had the belt, and it looked great because Jericho with the belt on his shoulder, he looks like a little boy. Mm. And he's walking around with the big belt. He's like, hey, guys, uh, there's going to be a team meeting in the uh, locker room. So if everyone could uh, do a whip around, be at the team meeting. And it's like only people who go to the team meeting. It's like, you know, S.A. Rios, <laughs> Perry Saturn, Brooklyn Brawler, the APA are like, who the fuck are you to be calling me? Yeah. And then when The Rock comes up, he's like, oh, Rock, I'm afraid thinks you think you're too good for the team meeting, are you? Finally, The Rock shows up, if you know what I mean. And like The Rock is like, The Rock says you have no authority to call a team meeting. And The Rock is not a mole. The Rock is Team WWF until he dies. The Rock was here running this place when you were over in WCW, losing to Hooven to Guerrera. And everyone goes, oh! Burn. Now... That was pretty shitty for, like, Hooven to Guerrero. He got buried for no reason, the poor lad. It's not even there. Like. It's not even there. That's, again, like, one of those promos where Rock just doesn't know his own strength. Like, he thinks, oh, this would be a funny line. Doesn't realise that he's, like, crushed someone you know, in result that, That's it. a funny name. Is <laughs> <laughs> it that or Dean Malenko? No, Hooven to Guerrero, I can really enunciate that. Like, The Rock says he can kill his career without even having <laughs> met him. I don't even know what the guy looks like. Is he Eddie Guerrero's relative? I don't know. <laughs> And they also did an angle at the same time where, like, Rob Van Dam and Booker T didn't trust each other. Oh, yeah. But then they just did an angle where it's like, oh, they do trust each other. That's okay. Originally, Vince was booked for this match. That would I, I think Vince should have been in there. Me too. Really? I do think so. Oh, yeah. 100% I have an agreement. Oh, I would have kept both McMahon's out I would have taken there. Big Show out and yeah. put Vince in. That, that was being, the original that, plan, That yeah. being said... Big Show was actually probably the best we've seen him in fucking ages in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would have taken him out and put Vince in. That was the original plan when it was announced. They'd like Shane announced his team, first of all. And Vince was like, God, have you heard Shane's put himself in the match? He's testing my manhood, kind of. Oh, I've got to be in the match. They did do Shane versus Vince at Raw then shortly thereafter in a street fight. Like, again? Yeah, again, for the fucking third time. like, And... 
the match was really sloppy and I think Vince either got injured in that or I remember reading a rumor at the time that Vince had had a heart exam and it was like no you can't wrestle so they just did an angle where Big Show for one week was really impressive finally he came out did a run in killed all of the, the baddies and then Vince is like god damn took you long enough to be impressive and he's like oh thank you sir thank you very much he's like why don't you be in the match he's like oh main event Shogun baby oh you know so yeah big show upward mobility of the invasion yeah he has went if we look at everyone in this everyone's either stayed the same who was already a top star anointed or has went way down the shitter okay but in terms of rising up the ranks big show went from tagging with, you know, some jabronis on Invasion to being in the main event. Mm. So finally, Big Show Paul White gets his moment in the sun. All it took was rooting two organizations and 30 or so wrestlers who were they contracted. And millions and millions of dollars. I I hate those. (laughs) I still think Shane shouldn't have been in the match, though. Because you've got Paul Heyman on commentary having to be like, JR's like, well, why did Shane put himself in instead of one of the great athletes you got? And Paul's like Like having to... who? Who? Come on, but you could have, like you say, the way they got Big Show in this match is by they had one week where Big Show was actually good. It wouldn't have taken much effort to have one week where DDP was actually good. No, they no way. Someone was actually good. There's no way they could have because DDP, since he came back, all that, you know, killed by Taker and Kane, he's away for two months, comes back, killed by Kane, then killed by Big Show. You know, Ryan, I think Rhino's the only guy it could have been. the only person it could have been. But yeah. who else? Like, if you have to put Kurt Angle and Stone Cold and Shane on your team, then who the fuck else is there? Like, honestly, the next, the next guy... Test. Test? <laughs> he's already in two fucking yeah. matches tonight. You know, Christian, he's already... You know, you can't put him in there. He's on main event it's level. He's a WWF guy as well. Like, you're like literally Test. talking about Billy Kidman. Yeah, that's the next highest. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm looking Hurricane. at the list of the battle royal. Well, well, he was not booked. Hurricane, you could put Hurricane in the main event. Do you know how sick of all of this shit everyone was? Even like they did a segment, the last well, the last segments before this, where Austin got had another another everyone in the lads get in the ring, <gasps> and he went to each of them one by one. Do you trust me? What? Trust me, trust me. It's a nightmare. Oh, that is your fucking wake up call alarm, like that'll get you. And they literally had it where all the alliance were like, "We're sick of this shit," and they all walked away. And even Bubba and Devon were like, "No, nah, we're sick of this." And like Austin's on his way, going, "Guys, come back. I'm sorry. I know you. Please come back. What?" Even Moody Smile watches here. Oh, just talking to his wife. Help. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awful. Awful stuff. During Rob Van Dam's entrance, Heyman's got his last fucking last shot of getting RVD over. He's like, let me tell you about Rob Van Dam. And Jared's like, oh, there's going to be another ECW story. And he's like, yes, it is an ECW story. He's like, March 22nd, 1998, Rob Van Dam won the TV championship. And Jared's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, Jay, and Heyman gets so worked up. He's like, you're just jealous because I saw him first. I was saying because I'm a genius you wish I was smart you know you wish you were as smart as me and you discovered him but you didn't I did in the supposed bingo hall and you're you're, you're gonna want to hire him now and JR's like fucking don't give a shit whatever <laughs> all he says is cool whatever lame it also shows that the alliance guys aren't over his heels because RVD and Kurt get pops yep, yep. 
They're mm-hmm. the fucking baddies, lads. Mm-hmm. And also, when they cut to the locker room, the Alliance locker room was so small. There yeah. was, it was like Stacy, Terry, Deborah, Steph, Ivory, fucking Tommy Dreamer, the and a, lo- a lot of referees. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was awful. Thought, I was going to ask you again your thoughts on Kane, but, I mean, Billy, I mean, what did you think of, of worst best Kane as he's... Uh, uh, I honestly like didn't notice either way that he was wearing anything different. To be honest, the red man like, like first fucking thing I noticed. And then he took my retinas out. So <laughs> bright, like. I, I honestly didn't notice that that much. To be honest, red red cane, <laughs> so good together. Oh, the best thing as well, like literally. Jim Ross has literally stood up ready to fight this man, take his pants off so he can fucking wrestle him properly. I, Cornette can replace you Monday like that. I kind of <laughs> wanted that to happen. Yeah. Because yeah. we get a brawl in this. Mm. And I did want there to be a little moment. It didn't have to be long, or like, but I just wanted like Heyman and, and oh, Billy. Ross to be at each other. You'll get that. You'll get that. Don't oh, you worry. Oh, yeah. There's still time. Literally the most magical moment in the history of wrestling is yet to come when we hit our finale. So we start things off, yeah. I mean, like you get the big kind of, I was just you get the Trish and TNA pop for Austin. The it's kind of yeah, it's the lads in the audience going, ah, we know we're not meant to cheer, but <laughs> no one really seems that over outside of people who are already over. Booker T really seems like the odd man out here. You know, it's shocking how we start this off, and it's our final battle. And it's Austin and The Rock. Yep. We've like went a, like we've done a 360. Well, not only that, but like I can't believe we're ending this whole saga with another big multi-man main event match. Like it's hard to be excited about this when it's a worse version of the exactly. Brawl, yeah. yeah, we had a way better version of this. Way, way, way better. A lot, like a lot more intense. A lot more. I felt like stuff was on the line. Mm. Felt it stuff was could fresh change. Back then, like different entrance ramps. You know, a lot of it seemed very, very different. But now it just feels like, like I say, three sixty in the way that most people are like, oh, this guy's done a complete three sixty. Like thinking it's a one eighty, but no, actually, three sixty means you've gone all the way right back around to the start. Yep. you have accidentally done a three sixty, mm-hmm. not a one eighty. Learn some fucking geometry marks. Rob Van Dam gets in the ring there with uh, Y2J, who immediately gets told very loudly, Slow down! <laughs> Slow down! Rob Van Dam, not a popular man. Uh, very unpopular. He, uh... <laughs> he said in the road to no mercy, he had a hit for shant for splitting people open from ear to ear. Yeah, yeah he's done it again a few times. Ah. There's been a lot of happy accidents, let's just say. A lot of blood unwittingly been shed on Raw and SmackDown. He spit open Kerrangle again. The highlight of this is then-wife Karen Angle on then-website kerrangle.com forward slash blog wrote a scathing thought piece, a scathing op-ed on Rob Van Dam. Like, let me tell you about Rob Van Dam. That piece of shit spit my husband's face open. He broke his nose. He has no... She literally said he has no business being on television. Wow! Getting big for your boots there, Karen. I know. Well, she's pretty... She's chewed out Braun Strowman as well. Like, she's a... You know? What? Yeah, there was apparently something when a bunch of TNA guys were in the same area as a bunch of WWE guys, and Braun was like... uh, yeah, I think he tried to big league her, not knowing who she was, you know, as a joke. And then she's like, let me tell you who I am. 
I'm the guy who married Jeff Jarrett. I'm the guy who fucked up TNA. <laughs> and none of these kids know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Kurt also did an interview when he was like, um, I'm not going to mention the guy by name who who gave me these stitches, but um, I don't think he should be on television anymore. And this is like a WF Confidential. They're talking about Rob Van Damme. Yeah. Like, that ain't good. On WWF programming, like... <laughs> More happy accidents. You know that at the end of uh, No Mercy, Austin got fucking belted in the back of the head with the chair by oh, mistake. Yeah. Uh, by Vince. And he had the awful, like, he's literally got, like, it looks like he's been jacked into the yeah. Matrix. Like, this big, horrible, fucking swollen gash on the back. He had a match with The Undertaker, a main event, where it was like, let's bring home the belt. Come on, dead man. And it was very much one of those, when you're watching it now, knowing that Austin was hurt... There's so much smoke and mirrors of like crowd brawling. Austin mm. tries to run him over with the bite. They do very little actual wrestling. And they do a bit where Austin is caught up on the ropes and they get the chair. They're gonna do a big like a big swing back so he can go a big nice safe uh. chair shot. Austin falls off the ropes, lands kind of almost on his head, the chair drops down, bounces, and the leg of the chair lands right in his eye. Jesus! Oh, okay. So you have Austin like kind of uh, not, you know, he hasn't wrestled, you know, in a, you know, he's had a month off here yeah. and there, hasn't wrestled much, has the nice safe match with all with Undertaker, he's wrestling in his t-shirt for most of it. The chair goes boink. Ah! <laughs> like he's literally blood pouring out like going, God fucking damn it! I <laughs> hate wrestling <laughs> final destination <laughs> you think you've avoided you're meant to get hurt now he slips right? on spaghetti and gets a ladder through the head like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it was I like I remember watching this kind of going like oh that's psychotic rattlesnake bleeding profusely oh. from, a, from his ah oh god like Jeez. everyone just felt concerned for him <laughs> Oh, Kurt Angle and Kane, we had a really great little story they told here. This was um, at the behest of Paul Heyman, allegedly, but Kurt Angle made Kane tap out on Raw the first time Kane has ever tapped out on TV. I love that match. I thought that was so good. Like, the way that they actually got Kane to the point where he tapped out to Kurt, I totally bought it. Like, didn't feel that Kane really lost anything from tapping out. They had, like, Austin run out. I've been doing you favours, wear my hat. Like, he mm. hit him with the chair and the leg a few times, and Kurt finally did it. And Kane didn't even tap. He just kind of went, like, once. He did yeah. one slap and kind of, like, a fine. Fuck's sake. And he was gone for two weeks as well. You know? Yeah, that's what you need to do when a character like that absolutely taps out for the first time. And yeah, no, I don't think it diminished Kane at all. Like you know, stinky skunks may have diminished Kane later on down the line. But and this outfit's definitely diminished Kane. But cool. tapping out does nothing. Right? Cool, whatever, man. Shane McMahon is a constant foil and source of annoyance for all of the WWF. Shane is basically playing the guy who owns the wrestling game, who's asked you all around, who's breaking up every pinch to where it's like, oh god, you're such a heel to. This is not like wrestling anymore. Not having mm. fun playing. I'm not night. having fun. Oh, this is like literally when Adam and I sat down to do a SmackDown Let's Play for Patreon and accidentally got in a tag team with Ultimo Dragon. Oh, God, it was a bad decision. We made all the worst mistakes you could do in that career, mode, Billy. You don't want to do tag matches. They're just going to break it up. JR casually brings up Shane and Stephanie slapping Linda. Literally has no effect on the proceedings yeah. here yeah. whatsoever. Taker does some of his cool arm offense on Booker T. Like they do, like basically all the people's pair off. Essentially, it's quite yeah. good. We get our grunt of the night at this point. Oh. I think this might be the first time ever we've had a tag grunt, like oh. where two men are winning the award here. Taker does an Irish whip to Booker T, and Booker goes Dah! as it happens. 
bounces straight into a big boot, which Taker responds with Wah! like that. So <laughs> nice little duet going on there. Synergy. That's what we need in the new era. Philosophical input. Spin a Rooney by Booker T. This is hideous. And then uh, Big Show gets tagged in. Big Show clears house. He's very impressive. Looks great. Mm -hmm. Looks great. Yeah. Wrestles great. He's already doing a few little things here. The thing with Big Show where he punches the chair. You know, yeah. That's a new thing that he hasn't been doing before. I thought he looked like a million dollars here. Three finishers needed by the Alliance to take him out. And Shane insists on getting the pin line. Yeah. Which is really a great story. It is WrestleMania 2000 all over again. And Big Show is the first man eliminated, and Shane Aww. is just dancing around going, whoa, 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 Shane McMahon getting jiggy with it. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> he says it nine fucking times, it feels like. It's the final fucking battle of the all the companies are coming together. Shane McMahon getting jiggy with it there. Well, Shane McMahon, I don't know if it's going to be Viva California-cation, but be that as it may, it is 2001. Mm. Shane getting jiggy with it, gets choke slammed by Kane, and then Undertaker comes in and does the Tombstone Pile Driver. Yeah. yeah. This is the it's going to school respect Booger Red Pile Driver. Yeah. I love this. How would you describe what he does, Billy? Fucking drives his head into the ground up to a ridiculous extent. And you get the power up as well because when you do the taunt beforehand, mm. you get the extra buff. He goes, one and like, he like points at everybody in the audience, go school, Aww. double thumb down. Ow! That was a tombstone that was in a SmackDown game forever. And became one of those, like, they grab the tombstone, like, oh, I do the whole, like, fucking, Fuck's like, sake. to the left. To the right, like S.A. Rios is going to point back at him and Lee is going to do the other side, the double gloves. This is off topic, but I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast, and I really feel like we have to make this known. Do you guys remember when our mate Isaac made his own finisher? This reminds me exactly like this, to create a finisher. Describe our friend. If there was a fourth man when we started uh, the AE podcast, it would be Zach. It would have been Zach. So yeah. tell us about Zach's finisher. <laughs> <laughs> he just realised there was no limitations for what you could do in the creative finish. Yeah, because he, he, like, yeah. he, he had like 25 slots slots for, for the move. So the first slot was Austin double fingers to the face. And then, <laughs> and then it was like 19 or 20 uninterrupted kicks to the nuts <laughs> over and over. And, and when he hit the move, you'd have, you could like put your controller down and sip your drink waiting for your guy. And your wrestlers are like... <laughs> He'd pick him up for a powerbomb, put him back down. Oh, him, yeah! <laughs> suplex, Teasing stall, them. spin around, back down, and then it'd just be like, you know... Kicking the nuts again. I don't even know how it ended in the end. Like, it might have been a final kick to the nuts. Yeah, like, I think so. The mule kick. Basically, he looked at that and had the same realisation that some tester did that when they removed this feature from the game. <laughs> yeah. YTJ, Lion Souls, Shayna, who also needs three finishers to take care of him. Mm. So Shane McMahon is down four and four. Even Stevens at the moment. It breaks down into a big eight-person brawl. This match is the definition of there is so much star power. The story, the crowd, everything is irrelevant. Judging just from WWF being what it is and the marketing machine that it is, this match 
can't not get over. Yeah. Like, it yeah. has to. If you're there live in the crowd, there's no way you're not going to be into seeing all these stars. Yeah, you're like, seeing, like, all these top folks together who you wouldn't normally see together. It's mm-hmm. a really weird mix. You're not getting any of the story that's meant to be. There's no WCW vibe here. Even if you are a jaded WCW fan, you got to admit, it's pretty cool. You've got a match that is Austin, Rock, like, every big name, and then some from the Attitude Era is in this match. Mm-hmm. Rob Van Dam. Very random here. Kane's elimination? Did anyone find it? Or if he just kicked him? Yeah, it's like because we've got a big wide shot uh-huh. and everyone's fighting. And then you just see in the corner that, that um, RVD is on the um, top turnbuckle in the bottom left corner on the hard camera. And then he just does a drop kick to Kane. One, two, three. What? Yeah, it's, it's his diving karate kick, the Savat kind of kick, which was... Never a finish for him. It was very no. strange. This is like one of the oddest things ever because that happens and then Angle Angle is almost going to get the last ride and then the Austin comes in one stunner and Undertaker. He's got like pretty much no offense on him and then they pin Taker. So the brothers of no cell and destruction get put over clean here. Like they, they lie down, no fuss at all. There's no, oh, you need three finishes to take out Booger Red or yeah. Kane needs to have his fucking leg ripped off or what. They just lose really suddenly. And I thought that would mean like, oh, we're wrapping up real quick. We're getting to uh-huh. the end. But there's like half an hour left on this match at this point. Yeah. Like it's a long, in fact, I'll say right now, this match is way too long. Like way, way, way too long. I was it's, bored. It's, 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 it's about 45 minutes. Including entrances and everything, it's actually about an hour, I think. Yeah. Like, I was shocked because when I was watching this show, I was like, "Is like now time for the main event?" I'm like, we're here already. Yeah. Like, and this isn't a show where like there was loads of recap packages, or it felt like it felt like we were motoring along mm-hmm. at a, quite a pace. It's a long, long, long match because they had lots of little stories they wanted to tell along the way, but it makes no sense to me. Other than the only thing is that they got bitten by radioactive, muscled-up statues. <laughs> and have been slowing down and becoming less and less impressive uh, in the ring. Physically, very impressive. Mm. But when it comes to between those four ropes, as Cesaro would say, it looks like these muscle-bound men got their head dropped in the sand. Very, very weird period of time for Brothers of Destruction. Mm. I think they've been one of the most persistently frustrating and annoying things in Season 3. I've, yeah. They've been entertaining in the wrong way for a bit, but they... Either, like, I hate this one, it's like you don't put anyone over, or then it's like such a fucking easy one, two, three, like that, you know? It's totally my bias, but I'm going to put that all on Undertaker rather than the two of them. Because Kane fucking made Test and Albert in this season look incredible. Yeah. Like, he had great matches with both of those guys. Whereas you bring Taker into the mix, and suddenly it's like, oh, we're not selling anymore, guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, I, I just still cannot get my head around it's The Undertaker. He's dressed in biker gear, wearing a bandana, riding a motorbike down to the ring whilst Limb Biscuit plays. I still, after all this time, I can I cannot get my head around that. And the fact I that just... JR is calling him Booger Red on commentary <laughs> does not help matters at no. all. It's very, very perplexing, I really have to say, and I would have loved, for instance, you know, like you said, uh, Adam he put over Albert and Test in a big, big way. How cool would it have been to see the power of Kane and like Kane being unstoppable, like Rob Van Dam pulling out all of his flexibility? Oh, and it's yeah. like, yeah. hey, you know, Kane can't get off his feet, but Rob Van Dam can then do a kick-ass spin kick or you know, outmaneuver yeah. him something. It's just no one move and you're done. Boring. I ain't selling for that. Fuck that. 
Brawler is in the fucking WWF locker room with Harvey Whippleman as well. Never mind what I said about the padded alliance locker room <laughs> here. Jesus Christ. Rock just rolls up Booker T and he's gone. A non-factor in this match is Booker T. Completely. Yeah. Rock and Y2J versus the No Mercy main event. Here we go, baby. <laughs> Rob Van Dam kicks Y2J in the face again. Oof. And I think this is apropos of nothing. I hope I'm using that phrase correctly. But Rob Van Dam, easily the most impressive thing from Invasion, I thought, in yes. terms of a new character. And all throughout, even as this storyline fell apart, Rob still managed to be a unique, impressive individual who sold well, who did interesting things, who leaves this match getting the breakdown, which is Jericho's shitty full Nelson face buster. Hate it. And it's totally botched. Mm. Like, Rob tries to, I think, do his... You know, when Rob does the crazy sell where it's like a big, like, spring-loaded, yeah. like, wah, and it doesn't work, he just kind of falls over in a heap. It's like when you and your friends decide, oh, let's not do the breakdown, let's stick to double-arm DDTs. Those are easy on the playground. And then, yeah, like, Y2J to silence. One, two, three. That's how Jericho won the WCW Championship. Uh, Ooh, I think we, let's have a breakdown of why the breakdown is so crap. A, it is a shit move. Yeah. B, it has a shit name. Yeah. C, you have enough finishers. Yeah, it's the alley yeah, How many does he need? I know. Fucking eater of finishers. I know he gets the code breaker later, but this is a fucking... He did the other, though, which is like the from behind you, the dropping uh, oh, sleeper slam. That. Crowd have gone very quiet at this stage. Yeah. It's too long. It's simply too long, this match. It's so boring. I looked it up. Bell to bell, 44 minutes and 57 seconds. Bell to bell. Bell to bell. Oh. This was one of the, I think, the Observer reading at the time. This match was like one of the kind of uh, considered matches of the year at the no. time. Yeah. It was. Really? I the pacing just, is all over the shop. I think it's because just you had so many big names and it was high profile and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, you you guys, did you feel bored as well, Billy? No, I, I enjoyed this match. Okay. I, I, I was, I was, it was, it was chaos, but it was good chaos. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I would say I was bored. I was definitely listless and confused during this. And I think it was one of those things where me knowing how long was left, it was kind of like, that made me kind of clock watch a little bit, I think, yeah. maybe. Y2J gets the ankle lock and Kurt Angle. And even Paul and JR are starting to sound a little bit tired at this point. They've, they have they need a nap and some juice and then maybe yeah. a slice of cake or whatever. Hot tie to The Rock, who gets Kurt Angle in the sharpshooter, who taps out to it pretty much immediately. No. First oh. time don't, ever. Don't like that, mate. No? Well, there's no. a good reason for it, though, isn't there, Billy? Like, if you think about it, like Kurt Kurt's got to get out of there Kurt didn't really tap out. And like. it's Survivor Series, it's Earl Hebner, it's yeah. the sharpshooter. It's Vince McMahon playing backstage even, tricks. Even, yeah, even if it is all tricks, though, I I don't mind seeing Kurt tap out. Not to the fucking shit shooter. I the shit shooter. The fucking shit yeah. shooter. Are you so kidding bad. me? It's so bad. The, the Rock is one of the few people who manages to. You know, like Cena started doing the springboard stunner, yeah. aka didn't get all of us. Yeah, but he trio he tried to to do it better at least yeah. with the rock it's kind of like we started doing it and then he's like oh it'd be even easier if I did it worse yeah. and that like he got worse like his face is literally on the fucking canvas here like it's so bad I could do a better sharpshooter when I was 12 years old it felt like <laughs> and I was a terrible worker back then rock Austin Y2J are the last guys left Austin's got blood supper all over his face mm. and I think uh, 
Austin's coming across as a bit of a folk hero here now. Like, JR is kind of trying to make out that he's a rotter, but, like, you know, Heyman's like, he's trying to destroy the WWF on his own. Like, he's doing it on his own, two on one. Austin becomes a bit of a face here in some people's minds. I don't know, what do you think? Bit of an underdog moment, isn't it? Mm. Like, he, mm. He's such a prick, though. Mm. I don't think... It's, I, there, there wasn't a part of me that thought, oh, there's getting a bit of a turn here. No. At this point, I was just like... W- once it got to the point where um, it was... Austin was the only person left, I was all like, yeah. not turning... He's not going to turn face here. He's turned face in the match ends. Finger, finger, finger poker doom, wouldn't he? Just yeah, like, yeah, legit. Like, and like, there's no way that's going to happen. So, uh, no, so there wasn't a, a part of me where I was like, no, this is... At this point where we are, because then, like, Austin just quickly rolls up YTJ. We're back down to Rock and Austin. Okay. What What did you see coming? Did you see the swerves, the twists coming that were coming? As in the betrayals? Because you no, said you figured no, that wasn't going to be Austin. I, 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 didn't see, I didn't see what happens with Jericho happening. Mm. I wasn't expecting that. As for Kurt, by process of elimination, I thought, well, if Austin's not doing it, it's going to be Kurt. Yeah. Mm. It's not going to be any of the rest of them. So you didn't just think The Rock was just going to beat Austin and win it for the WWF? Oh, hell no, no. No, it wouldn't be as simple as that. No. Like. So Jericho blindsides The Rock after being eliminated, and Heyman with the line of the night on commentary, Chris Jericho has killed the World Wrestling Federation. Booger Red comes out and he's like, come on, boy. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Like, it, Go to no, school. Go fucking fighting. He just goes up, no, back inside. Back to your room, young Naughty. man. Naughty. Taker, I think, is the only person who just loses clean to a finisher here, as opposed to either an inexplicable loss or a roll-up or, like, yeah. three finishers. It's an odd night God, for Ripper right. Red, isn't it? Yeah. Heyman starts invoking Survivor Series 97 because Rock has got Austin the sharpshooter. He's like, it wouldn't be the first time Hebner has fucked someone over, you know? Austin then puts uh, Rock in the sharpshooter. His version is a lot nicer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a great visual when, the Rock, when Rock has Austin back in and he's grabbing at the belt and Jim Ross is like, it's the only thing he cares about. <laughs> he's clutching at the only thing he cares about in this world. Cut back to Deborah and all of his colleagues in the locker room. That is a bit oh. of a, a dark one there. Rock reverses Austin Stunner. Wham, bam, one of his own. Pick <laughs> Dick Pat Dick stops the count. Rock... Oh man, almost gives him the Uranagi there, you know, almost, <laughs> almost like that, but then Austin reverses, he hits his own Uranagi, and that's like, man, to hit a man with his own Uranagi, with his own Japanese takedown judo holes, that's, uh, that's something else right there, let me tell you. Stunner, kick out, no referee, it is basically put over here that Austin has done it on his own two feet, he's killed the yeah. WWF. He, by rights. By rights, he has done it. Yep. Angles back. He is the mole. He hits Austin with the belt. We get the Uranagi Team WWF. Pick up the big win. Immediately, Heyman is speechless. Love it. You're out of work. But again, you're bankrupt. You just see his face. And his he's face like, is intense. Like. Yeah. Steph cries. Ah! Wailing. Why didn't I have the help do the big shop last week? <laughs> Brawlers celebrate. Whee. I enjoyed the Dudley's reaction because they're stood next to Steph and like they do not act like it's such a big deal. But they're just like, the fuck is that? Yeah. What the was f- that? What was that? They're like, well, we're we're employed. We know it now. Yeah. The champions are all employed. So yeah. he's like, fuck it. You know, whatever. I'll tell you who I feel worse for because you've got Stephanie screaming and the Dudleys being like, what the fuck is that? And all the other WCWs are like, oh God. 
and you've just got at the very front Jazz just sat in a chair looking like it's my first day I've literally just why did I fucking pick this side <laughs> what the fuck am I doing here like bunch of losers yeah <laughs> legit I, I did enjoy uh, Big Dumb Big Shows <laughs> you fucking gorilla! Like. Is that your name for another grunt of the night? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That one so yeah, I love this. You know, my favorite bit. You got you know, obviously Vince is the big power. Oh, yeah, he comes out. He gets all of his lightning powers back. Like it kind of just becomes fully mana, Vince McMahon once again. There's a great little bit I caught just in the corner of my eye when Jim Ross is like, "The WWF has done it." We we have survived the alliance is dead and as he's saying it he's like stood up doing this and think just walking by this high five and think ah! he's like you got damn right we did big man oh. fuck yeah I love it I love it so a weird end a match that I don't know I could put over that much but you can't take away that it has that very much the episode one like the big ending with yeah. you know, Boss Nass McMahon there holding up the orb of, orb of celebration you know here in Naboo South Carolina they love the clean finish but even with what went down everyone seemed happy the crowd went apeshit for us were these cheers of thank fuck it's over or where is it that we're at uh, I think for this particular crowd I think they genuinely enjoyed the outcome. Mm, yeah. I don't. I, I think if it was a more, let's say, uh, northern eastern seaboard crowd, it would have been thank Philly, fucking. Like. So yeah, if it was Philly, Chicago, New York, it would have been thank fuck for this. Uh, I really enjoyed this crowd. They they had a whale of a fucking time, and they turned what would have been a very noticeably B or C show into I think they made it an A show if you take the unforgiven crowd who didn't give a shit and you put it here this, this would be awful it would be the dampest fucking fart of a finish yeah. to this angle ever but we're not going to talk about the angle as a whole we are going to cover the raw after this Survivor series and we will talk about our closing thoughts on the angle as a whole but let's talk about the match first I think we may have had some different opinions. I enjoyed it in spite of myself, I think. I think it was quite long in the tooth. And I feel, looking back at the eliminations, they were being so overprotective and it got so convoluted in the end that I don't know if this is what I'd ever recommend it. Oh, go check it out. It's a classic. Because people kind of go, oh, it's one of the best Survivor Series matches of all time. I don't know. Where do you guys uh, stand on this one? What do you think, Adam? Parts of it were good. I enjoyed little pockets of the match. There was some good action. There was some good pairings in the ring but the pacing was just dreadful I thought I thought the majority of eliminations happened in the first 15 minutes and then you have a huge lull where fuck all happens like it just felt very all over the place to me and they were really really fucking lucky that the crowd was so nice yeah. like really lucky Bill what did you um, think of the main I, event I, I enjoyed it like I said before it was chaotic but good chaotic like I absolutely understand what Adam's saying though with you know the pacing it sent times like it was going at absolute breakneck speed for about 10 seconds and like slows down for mm -hmm. five minutes. But I think overall, I, I think if you'd maybe shaved off 10 minutes, mm. I think this would have been a, a lot better and probably more fondly remembered. Yeah, give five of that to the women and five of that to Regal and Tajiri. And I think you might have had a show that I would be a lot more inclined yeah. to check out again. I mean, speaking for myself, this show as a whole, I... This had to be the second least amount of fun I think I've had on this season in terms of just watching the show. Unforgiven was a total drag for me just because of that crowd. 
But this one, I don't know. I mean, I, there was nothing technically wrong with really any of the matches. And I said some were a little bit short and there was some questionable kind of, you know, decisions. But the, the cloud of the story, I think, tainted a lot of this show. So I don't know where I stand. If I enjoyed this a lot or not, I kind of enjoyed it. But it's certainly not the finish to the angle you wanted. I mean, what did you guys think of this show as a whole? As a watch, just as a watch, as a pay-per-view Survivor Series 2001. I didn't like it. I thought it was pretty boring. I thought there was nothing to be invested in. Like, apart from Regal and Tajiri, which is too little too late, mm. none of these matchups are anything new and exciting. They're all shit we've seen before, yeah. or yeah. storylines that have gone on for too long. I don't care about Dudleys and Hardys again. Like, are you telling me for the final chapter of this whole angle, we're just going to have those two guys Nine again? Nine months ago, like, we finished that. Like, come like, on. Were like, you still watching at this point? Yes. Yeah, I watched all the invasion. And as a kid, how was this pay-per-view for you? Were you, like, excited by it? Or were you sickened by it? Because I remember as a kid, I missed this one because I kind of... I wasn't that excited about this angle. I kind of... I figured my brothers and his friends had convinced me that the Alliance were losing so I was like I'll find out what happens next you know, yeah. next night and that's it and I, I, I hadn't watched this start to finish until now but as a kid do you ever seen this one? Yeah I watched it as a kid and I remember enjoying it a lot more back then I thought the main event was good as a kid and I remember really being swerved by the Kurt Angle turn and like mm. being like yay WWF as a child that was my <laughs> Nigel McGuinness voice <laughs> <laughs> yay oh no joint manipulation <laughs> <laughs> But, like, as an adult, this is a really bad show, I think. I think it's very boring. And even as a standalone show, I think it's not worth checking out. It's kind of embarrassing to show because it's, like, it shows the worst of that Alliance storyline. Yeah. Yeah. There is a point where Jim Ross started to say, the WCW, sorry, the Alliance, like, he had to correct himself. They did not say WCW outside of the titles Mm. once. And that's been, like, for two months now. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, as a show, how was it for you? It was fine. There was a couple of matches I enjoyed, but the matches I know I would have enjoyed the most were ones that got little time. Regal mm. and Tajiri could have been an absolute barn burner. Like we said at the start, Christian versus Al Snow, whilst that is a, a good opening match for this particular pay-per-view, had no business being there. Mm. You know, everything, I'm just looking through the card now, and it's just, you know, nothing particularly grabbed me as much as uh, Regal and Tajiri and the main event were the, were, were, were two of my favourite matches in there. Like I said, it was good that the the women's matches, you know, it shows we've got there are there are women. This, we've got this now. You we've know, got at we least can, one binder of women. Yeah, we can we can do this now, and they're all talented women. So hopefully we can. Obviously, well, we're coming to the end of the season now, so I'm not going to see how all of this pans out in the longer run. Mm. Obviously, knowing the past 13 years of wrestling, not well. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if I could ask you then, Billy, and we'll go round table after your match of the night and your MVP. Match of the night, main event, I think. All the reasons I said before, obviously, it's not without its problems, but I found myself in all of the other matches, apart from Tajiri and Regal, but that was because it was far too short. I found myself getting distracted and looking around the room for something right. to, to catch my gaze. The main event, I didn't. So, that is what... That is, but by my standard, yeah, the best match. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. It's the one that kept my attention. Mm. Yeah, that's the best match. MVP, special mention to the crowd, which I think is the first time mm. any of us have done that. I think yeah. this crowd made this show tonight. Yeah, really. if it wasn't for them, it would have been a stinker as far as so, I'm concerned. I know it's very much Time Magazine person of the year 2006. <laughs> it's you. It's you, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> but uh, I think MVP, Heyman. 
Heyman was on fire from start to finish. This is last night on commentary. Yeah. Mm. Full time, yeah. It, it was amazing. Some of the best consistent colour commentary throughout the invasion angle. Yeah. And in particular this night, I don't think there was a point where he wasn't shouting. There was he no tied calm. himself out at the end, I totally. think. No calm at all, just anger and vitriol and bitterness. Which makes that face at the end all yeah. the more perfect. Yeah. Adam, match of the night and MVP. Match of the night is definitely Tajiri and Regal. Even though it's criminally short, there was nothing else on the show where I watched, at the end of the match, I was like, that was good. Like, there was matches where I was like, that was okay. But the only one that I thought was a good match was Regal and Tajiri. So mm. by default, that's got to be my match of the night. MVP, I completely agree with what you just said, Billy. And I would steal your answer, but I, I think that's cheap. I originally... <laughs> You're cheap. I was originally going to go with Test because I was genuinely, genuinely surprised that Test was in two matches that were relatively close together tonight mm. and his performance was not amazing, but better than I would expect from someone like him in both those matches. It's the first time I think I could have seen Test. I guess, you know, the other time I said that was... But seeing, you know, with when he faced Kane, mm. so we see him facing Kane, him, this performance here tonight, you can start to see what they saw in him. But the disclaimer is, when he faced Kane, it was like, oh, fucking hell, test, I could, yeah, I really see it now, I get it. With this one, I'm giving it to him because everyone else was so, eh. Test was yeah. the only guy where it was really like, holy shit, fair play, man. Yeah. I didn't know you were going to be that good tonight, but everyone else was, as you'd expect on the show. I think my match of the night for, I mean, I could probably see myself picking either of your answers, but I would probably just as feel just as strongly about the tag team cage match. So for the sake of variety, I would say that's my match of the night. Just the fact that it was a real, very solid, firm stance of the Dudley boys being very strongly put over as an all-time great tag team. And it was a really, like... You know, with the constraints of that cage to tell the story that still gets drama being told when you have to fucking tag in in a cage, that was yeah. quite impressive. And I did enjoy the big high spot at the end. And turning that into the story with the Hardy Boys, I think, was one of the best ways to protect the Hardys ever because they're too much of a risk taker. That was really cool. I am struggling to come up with an MVP. Honestly, there was no one in that main event whose perf individual performance may be really... I mean... Big Show yeah. had a great yeah. performance, but he was there for like maybe ten minutes. Yeah. So that. if that Shane was alright, but like I think we can agree, Booker T, Rob Van Dam, Undertaker, and Kane all underdelivered in this match in terms of moves, excitement, anything like that. Presence. So you know what? I'll go with Heyman as well. I think because he was the the lone wolf in this who was trying to like he was the only bit of credibility this angle had at all at the end of the day and without that voice like that promo on SmackDown that's what got me to watch this fucking pay or want to watch this show at all or care about this show at all and him on commentary along with the crowd made me kind of stick in with it so yeah I'm gonna to piggyback on yours there for that. So there we go, all of our pay-per-views in the bank for season three. Our next episode will be a dual sort. We will be having our final say, looking back at this entire angle, judging its start, middle, and end, and giving our final thoughts on the invasion. What went wrong? Could it have been saved? And of course as well, what could have been done differently? 
Were there highlights? Was it all just little flowers growing out of so many pots of dirt? Was it worth watching? Is it worth taking the time to explain to people who want to know about the history of wrestling? Did it kill the momentum of the Attitude Era? Did it set a precedent that wrestling can't be successful or can't get along with other companies? Did it really show that Vince McMahon simply doesn't know why anything other than what he does can ever be successful? These and many more questions we're going to be looking at when we review the Night After Survivor series, the first draw of the post-Alliance era, the start of post-Attitude Era, some could say. We will be in uncharted territory. We will be looking at that and seeing how it went down, seeing if it makes you excited to see what was coming next, or if, like many of my friends, it was finally the moment you said, you know what, I don't think wrestling is for me anymore. So we really want to hear from you guys. If you can hit us up on Twitter or hit us up on Facebook, we'll do some posts asking your thoughts. We want to see what the fans think about this as we kind of put together or final say and on that episode as well we will be announcing season four <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you doing those evil laughs for we just just won on Tekken didn't we <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just sold me something for a high price <laughs> so yeah season four will be announced I'm not going to give away too much but there were two very viable options for season four on the table. And Billy pointed out a logical that means that there will be season four, which is definitely decided. And that means by virtue of that, season five is decided as well. All this and more on the next and final episode of season three of the Attitude Era podcast. Thank you so much for listening all the way through until the end of this episode. We made it through Survivor Series 2001, and so did you. Hey, why don't you leave us a rating review if you're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you eat your podcasts. <laughs> Get your five a day by giving us five stars. And you can now rate us on Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast as well. And head on over there and give us an old like. While you're there, make sure you check out our shit ton of videos we got on there, pal. We got a fuckload from our current season, from old seasons, and most importantly, we got a lot of preview clips from SmackDown Crawl. So if you've not checked out the crawl yet, go on Facebook and have a little look at what's on offer. And if you're a fine purveyor of stuff and things, head on over to MatthewsBotchamania.com. Beans means stuff and things. <laughs> <laughs> Yes! <laughs> I wish oh. people could have seen your face when you said fangs. I literally forgot to think of something to do. I came up with that about maybe three minutes ago. Wow. No wonder you're in the cupboards. It was, it, it was either that or sing King of Carrot Flowers Part 2. Well, like, you, know, <laughs> you know what's coming next episode then if you want to support the Attitude podcast you can as well as getting access to a whole I'm not going to say shitload or fuckton shedful of audio <laughs> granddad keeping it PG yeah, shedful of audio content and the video content for your eyes ears and your brains get access to over 35 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl all of the Bibliotech and or video episodes where Adam and I test each other's gamesmanship you can check out all of those by becoming just a $5 backer you get immediate access to the entire back catalogue if you just want to support us for a month and check it out you can 
Bump up to a $10 bag and get access to over 20 bonus episodes with Kevin, Adam, and Billy doing Q&As where we answer all of the fan questions. And $20 backers can access all of our audio commentary tracks available on selfie.com slash aepodcast for free. And you will get all upcoming and future commentary tracks for free as well. As Adam says, you can check out some previews of the SmackDown Crawl on our Facebook video stream. But if you want to join us for a month and become a backer, support the show, ruffle our hair, and let us know we're doing a good job, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast with over a thousand backers now it's safe to say one of the most lovely bunch of people we've ever come across on the internet they love the content everyone who joins seems to stick around and enjoy what's coming out you'll always have new content every month you can check out a preview episode of the Smackdown Crawl on this feed a preview of the Bibliotech as well if you want five hours on Bob Holly's autobiography We've got you covered, big man. <laughs> we got you covered big time. Until next time, though, where we're going to wrap this sucker up. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And I promise you, we're going to wipe season three off the face of this earth.